Welcome to another episode of the Random Wrestling Review. Uh, before we get into the episode today, I just wanted to make a quick apology for the general sound quality of this episode. For whatever reason, I don't know why, my microphone was putting out intermittently throughout the episode and it made a lot of what I said a little bit inaudible. So I've taken out what I can and left in what I can't take out because otherwise it won't make any sense. But unfortunately, there is still some stuff where my you can barely hear what I'm saying. So I apologize for that. Uh, hopefully it won't impact your your enjoyment of the episode too much. And rest assured, I'll be looking to get back to normal service next time around for WrestleMania 35, where hopefully I'll have a new headset by then and everything will be back to normal. You're always here. Life's too short. Stop and smell the roses. Take it all in. Everyone always says you gotta enjoy your time on this earth while you can. Well, that's what tonight is all about. And here, this is a place like no other. Full of unbreakable, unbeatable spirits. This is where it all happens. And it's always about two words. Good times. So tonight, let the party find you. And together, let the good times roll again. Live event in entertainment, WrestleMania. Like Harper and Rowan have been around for ages, like tagging with each other. How are they so indestructible all of a sudden? Like, why is it? Why were they not able to do this since they first arrived? Maybe it's because they've been freed from Bray Wyatt, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. I don't know if they ever really explained that. To be perfectly honest, they're just big bastards, aren't they? That's the big thing. Big bastards. Big beardy yeah. bastardy bludgeon bellens. Yeah, basically. Yeah, bludgeoned yeah, bellend, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine a bludgeoned bellend. I mean, in, in, in fairness, in my teenage years... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had the teddy, I'd have thought the phone would have done something. So. <laughs> I could have even forgot about it. Wow, if, if, if we've got any... That's a fucking callback. 
there will be plenty of listeners who've joined us since 2021 um so you're gonna have to go back and listen to the episodes from then to know what that was about <laughs> teddy i forgot about the teddy <laughs> so then we go the undertaker john cena stuff and after that oh, hang on hang on hang on you forgot the main thing mate we get a wwe network advert Sorry. that is so long i genuinely <laughs> forgot i was watching a wrestling show it goes on for fucking ever and it's all shit all of it's shit is it, is it wwe yeah kind of a ride along yeah for three Again, the table for, for three, I think it's, it's, I think it's Shane McMahon, AJ Styles, and Kurt Angle. I can't imagine three people would want to listen to talk less than those three, because Shane McMahon's intolerable, Kurt Angle's on another planet, and AJ Styles has got about the amount of charisma as my vacuum cleaner. So, oh, no, no thank you. All right, I, I got one then. So, you have to be on a table for three with two wrestlers. Who are they? And you can't choose the same, you miserable cunts. Or as each other. Correct. I'm assuming they probably have to be alive, because if they're dead, they're not probably not bringing much to the chat, are they? Um, I, well, I don't know. It depends which dead person you want to bring. Uh, it'd, be talk- on- it'd be a talking point, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> on, yeah. So he's still dead? <laughs> Come on. They <laughs> 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 weakened at Bernie's fucking. In that case, I want Andre the Giant there, <laughs> lugging that big old corpse around. No, I would actually. I think Andre the Giant would be a fascinating person to talk to if I can yeah. understand what he said, because he, you know, he's a bit of a, bit of a mumbler. Um, <laughs> and, and, and also, he's not speaking in his first language either. No. <laughs> and, and I think my second, fucking daft racist. I think my second would have to be would have to be Stu Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this has gone so much better than I thought it was going to. Imagine, oh. <laughs> imagine, imagine him eating with a fucking mouthful. Like, it'd be deliberately, like, really dry, like, polenta yeah. and stuff like that. And he'd be like... Like <laughs> that. We, are we trying to bite people that we can't understand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's me, anyway. But Stu Hart and Andre. Can't top that. Can't do it. <laughs> Um, so I just go. I just go with. The well, the things that you don't you don't want someone like like Bobby Heenan there because he'll just be making they'll be constantly like talking over you, making loads of jokes, you know, one liners. Who God knows, you know, you could, there'd be so many you you would be like, oh, that'd be good. But I love Bret Hart, but he'd be so miserable, and you know, he wouldn't tip. You know, I don't know who who would you go for, man? I go for Glenn for... Jacobs to talk about his <laughs> his great policies. Uh, Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> and the remaining Von Eric. <laughs> so, well, your life's pretty sad, isn't it, mate? <laughs> oh, fucking hell, mate. Oh, I, I mean, it could be worse, though. You could have fucking meat sauce over it. And I demand that Virgil's knob was just poking a little bit out of his shorts. <laughs> his shorts. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when you first mentioned that we were doing the podcast years, years ago. I was like, i got to look this up. But I remember it. I, I found it, and I remember I was using my work laptop. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hope no one doesn't audit on that anytime soon. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I don't actually know. I, I, I'm kind of a bit lost. You, you've thrown me away with your your mm. picks. I'm, I, I'll come back to it later on, maybe. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, so genuinely, it would be Stone Cold and The Rock. Can you imagine that? Fucking come on, England. I, do, I think I think that would be interesting. But the thing is, is they both said a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Thinking about somebody Don't else. Don't get pissed. 
get pissed. Well, that's true. That, yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good. That's point. the only reason I'm coming to the dinner, me. Well, don't forget there is table for free, so there are other people watching. So you want you want to you want to provide something of interest. But anyway, I'll have, I'll have to think and we'll come back to it. So after that, sorry, oh man, apologies for missing the WWE Network from my uh, show notes. Shit. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today we continue the WrestleMania series, which is now on episode 34. This is episode 117 overall of the Random Wrestling Review. And uh, joining me today are the two, two reprobates, I believe I uh, referred to you as in the first episode. And they are back today for what might be the last time together for the foreseeable future. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first of all, old man, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? That's oh, great to see you. Lovely. Yeah, all right. Fuck off. Help me way. Come on, out the way. Help me way. Got shopping to do. I don't know what he's on. I don't know what's going on. Tom, any idea? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Apparently, he's got some shopping to do. Or as old man, as he once referred it to me as, grocery shopping. He's been hang- sure. hanging out with that American last too long. I have groceries down the store. <laughs> and also we have Tom Smith, who I've already kind of brought into the conversation. So that introduction didn't work very well. How are you doing, Tom? Ah, come on, England. That's how I'm doing. To answer your question, mate, I'm a reprobate who masturbates. There you go. I have some of that. I think that was the joke you pretty much made the first episode as well. I think you, you uh, said something like, I've been reprobating all day or something like that. Yeah. To be honest, mate, nothing if not consistent. <laughs> so, as I said, this is the last time, potentially, the three of us will be on the pod together for a while. And that's all because of Tom. And he's, uh, he's just super, super fertile. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, my, it's all my sperm's fault. It's like that like that big bit of sperm going down Randy Orton's entranceway at WrestleMania 33. It was your sperm, wasn't it? It was, it was. <laughs> I wasn't even in the country either, which makes it all that more impressive. No, as the as the as as been announced, uh, my wife and I are expecting another uh, another child uh, in uh, early early 2024. Is that right? Yeah. It is. So uh, as a result of that, I'm going to be having some very sleepless lights, and unfortunately, sleepless lights. Yeah, and some of them as well, actually. <laughs> some sleepless nights, which means that I'm going to unfortunately have to step away for a little bit for at least a couple of months until we can maybe get a bedtime routine established with the other one. I would, at this point, actually like to have a little bit of a do a little bit of a competition for the listeners out there. Obviously, Shinsuke Nakamura is the name of my first one, but I can't have their former tag team partner, Rick Booth, because that's already been co-opted by, by Tinkley, Tinky's lovely son. So I need a name. I did think I did think uh, Hideo Itami keeping up with the old Japanese thread, but any other suggestions or answers on a postcard, please to uh, PO Box um, ball bags. Suggest <laughs> I would suggest uh, Kazuchika Okada because he was in chaos with Shinsuke Nakamura. And I haven't had New Japan muck, mate. Straight WWE is what we do over here. I'm a bit worried about you having another child because, uh, as, as the listeners will know from the way you were just talking there, you're getting all your words mixed up and you couldn't say half of them. So I'm, mm. it's a bit, a bit of a concern. You didn't even know what year it was. <laughs> no. No, 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 I don't. I must admit, I'm also currently trying to deal with some rather severe internet issues. So if I'm a little bit distracted, what are we talking about today? But to, but to, but to be on uh, my penultimate uh, episode with the two co-founders and two of my best friends is an absolute pleasure. And I must say, when they turn up, it's going to be lovely. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh. Yeah, WrestleMania 34, guys. WrestleMania 34. Now, you guys, I think, um, in the main, so you've obviously, Tom, I was going to say, actually, in the main, has managed to avoid these, well, I don't know what the word is, but very long. Extraordinarily tiresome. WrestleMania's. Yeah, so far you've been you've been lucky, but now you are on the the train with us. After five hours, did the ball bags go up into the into the station? <laughs> the ball bags, <laughs> station. <laughs> it's notoriously what I call my groin area. Actually, the old station. They went they went up into the station. They went up inside. All went came out of my mouth. And then they went onto the floor, and I tripped over them, and then went all the way back inside me and down and out again. That's how horrified I was when I saw that the runtime was five hours and three minutes. I was absolutely mortified by this. Amazingly, you were more mortified by the runtime than you were the mm. visual of your own ball bags coming out your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. It's, honestly, that's, that's, what these, that's what these wrestling shoes will do to you. So what were your expectations, Tom? Why don't you start, given that you've laid it down for us already, really? So I wasn't sure if I've ever actually seen this one before. I'm sure I've seen a few moments, which we'll probably go into at some point, but I was pretty sure that I've not not seen this um, before at all. I saw there was five hours, and then I saw fucking cunt face himself, Shane McMahon, on the, on the poster, and I was like, oh, bloody hell. And that immediately put me on the back foot. I wasn't expecting very much at all. But it was in, I knew that it was also in New Orleans because it said it in the description. So I can regale you with some of my lovely travel facts about New Orleans if you want, Tinky. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> what about you, old man? Uh, so from memory, we watched this, me and you, Tinky, together on a Monday afternoon. It was a lovely time. You bought some pizzas from Wayne Trues, I remember. I think I had a Just garlic mushroom one. I, well, you were, you, I think you were fucking sucking yourself off traveling, I think. When, Pretty when sure. year was this? 2018. Uh, nope. Yeah. I was I wasn't uh, travelling in that year actually. Are you not? So where were you then? No, I, was, I don't know. Not being invited to watch WrestleMania with you cunts probably. Because hmm. you got married in 2018, didn't you? I did. I did. As we got back from our honeymoon, a phone call that you were like, "Oh, we're getting married next week." Where did that come from? Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. But but sadly, he didn't turn up, which was fortunate for your wife. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long day, Hans. Retired. Uh, retired listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, just caught for context, lads, lads and lasses who were listening, <laughs> that the uh, <laughs> the clocks went back. When the clocks go back, because you're in your late 30s, early 40s, as some <laughs> of the cases are, it completely fucks you. <laughs> so if anybody's of that age, then you, you'll know where we're coming from with this. Anyway, WrestleMania 20... Um, what the fuck? So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So I'm, I'm just I, for the listeners, oh. intro, just in case they're interested, I am looking to hopefully... Now, I didn't cover WrestleMania 34 tonight, but also record again an episode of the game. And gradually, I'm seeing that that dream is fading away very, very yeah. quickly. Cool, right. Anyway, sh- anyway, shut up. Shut up. Pratt at the back. So, WrestleMania 34. Memories of watching this with Tinky. Memories of it being boy actually. So I, I don't get me wrong, it's hard because as Tom said, it's so beautifully put it with his uh, rather descriptive take on what his bollocks did when he saw the length of the show. It's, it's a long show. So I was still a bit like, oh, I don't know about this. But I do remember it being all right. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. My bollocks didn't do anything. So I'm a bit gutted to be honest. It's kind of flats around us when they normally do. Can we establish when Tom went on his holiday, his big travel? When I went traveling, it was 2019. Oh, it was the following year. So, 
I don't have any memory of what I did for WrestleMania 33 or 34. So I don't remember the pizzas, old man. I don't remember you. I don't remember anything. I just don't remember it. I did a massive <laughs> shit in your house that day. <laughs> oh, hang on. Yeah, I do remember. How you, Again. I remember you both being at my house one year, possibly for two years. Maybe you, we were all there. I remember bringing across like a jerk sweet potato curry to your yeah. house. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I think that, that might have been 33. Anyway, who gives a fuck? doesn't matter just <laughs> interesting because i couldn't remember where i'd seen this i didn't have a lot of memory of it i do definitely do remember watching it one match in particular i remember very vividly because well not vividly but i remember really liking it on the on the night the rest of it i couldn't really remember so i was a bit like oh this might not be very good but i don't know so just going into it with an open mind and i'd also gotten over the five hour thing i'd already watched wrestlemania 32 and 33 in the last few weeks so another one wasn't going to be a big problem and we're nearly through them so i'm i was starting to get excited mm. i was like we're nearly out the other side lads it's great of course yeah, the it's, trouble it's, is with a big one is sometimes it does almost go out the other side yes that'll be the pizzas again <laughs> so talking points i think um tom doesn't seem like he's in any kind of i don't know i don't know what the fuck's to, going on mate <laughs> to, to do anything right I can't clue what's going on <laughs> we'll come to you in a second tom old man what's your talking point for today Oh, I don't know, really. I kind of like torn with where to start. No, no, because I've got three, two of which are quite negative. So I'm going to go with a positive one. John Cena in the crowd. Now, this is very much because memory is that we, I came around your house, Tinky, turned up, guts <laughs> full of shit, ready to drop him. Lovely old John. But we, you were watching the pre-show. Oh, yeah, like, I remember that, actually. To get, I remember that. Yeah, and there is a load of John Cena in the crowd in the pre-show, and it's fucking brilliant. He's doing autographs, he's taking pictures, he's chatting with me, he's having a lovely old time. And I completely, completely forgot that this thing happened. And then it's just after the entrances for the opener, they show John Cena in the crowd, and oh, God, I got excited. I got really excited because he's just there. He's having a beer. He's having a good time. And I thought, you know what? I think tonight's going to be all right because it was just something a bit different, a bit of fun. And we actually get so the the payoff for people who don't know is that he has a little match with The Undertaker. And it is a little match, unfortunately, because I kind of wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of it. But I like these things that are continuous through the shows sometimes where there's just like this little thread. I think personally, the match with The Undertaker happens a bit early in the card. Could have done with it a bit later. But yeah, just Cena, isn't it? This is the first time I think as well that I'd fully appreciated Fun Time John. That's what I'm going to call him now. Because he is a fun time, I think. Well, he is pointed out in the crowd through during the first match and during the second match, and I think probably during the third match as well. Though it's after the second match that the referee, that's right, the referee comes out after the second yeah. match. Yeah. Runs down as if something urgent's happened. I mean, we don't know what, but yeah. it seems like it's a big, big problem. <laughs> runs down, he runs down to the ring, spits the scene, who then, first of all, thinks the guy's joking. Uh, so goodness knows what he thinks he, you know, he's joking about. <laughs> then, then he seems to take him very, very seriously because he then sprints back at the, the, the mm. doesn't go out the crowd exit, which is where he should be, given that he's, uh, you know, a paying customer. <laughs> and uh, and he's off very urgently somewhere else. Then we have like the third match, and I think we probably have the fourth match. And then after that, Casino comes out to his music. So now he's gone from being a paying customer to having mm-hmm. a proper musical entrance to the ring. He comes out. The first things or the, the first few things that are said by 
the commentators here, Corey Graves, this is ridiculous. And Jonathan Coachman doesn't make any sense. And um, then a ref comes to the ring, seemingly telling Cena some bad news. But again, we have no idea what mm. the bad news is. Cena looks all disappointed. He then starts <laughs> to walk back up so the ramp. Sad. Yeah, he's, he's all upset. And then the lights go out and everyone gets excited. And out comes Elias. Elias asks if the crowd were expecting someone else. He says that someone else isn't as let as let. Ah, I can't even speak. Theme that's going to run through the show by the sounds of things. As athletic, as charismatic as he is, and doesn't have the unlimited talent he has. There's then just a side note: a picture of Doc Cotton in the crowd, held up by somebody. Lovely stuff. <laughs> Elias tells Cena to back up. He'll take it from here. Cena walks away as Elias tells him being a spectator is what he does best. Elias then sings a song about WrestleMania, Cena and himself. Cena then gets back in the ring. It takes out Elias in short order. They are then Undertaker chants, but Cena's music comes on. They are playing with the conventions of WrestleMania and the WrestleMania moment here. The commentators, Michael Cole, were even saying, guess that was a WrestleMania moment for Cena. Again, another very sad comment. <laughs> and then Cena's music stops and the lights go out again. And suddenly Taker's hat and jacket are in the ring under a spotlight. Lightning then hits them and they disappear. Love a bit of magic. And then mm-hmm. they bong sounds and Taker emerges from under the stage at the top of the ramp. We're seen as still stood in the aisle and there's a mid-level camera angle that you see. And you can see this camera right up in Cena's face and it just takes away the entire mystique of yeah. the whole, whole thing. And then we have our match, Undertaker versus John Cena. The match itself isn't very long. It only lasts for uh, two minutes, 45 seconds, and it ends when Taker hits a tombstone and the match is over. What do you think of the match, old man? Mm, to go back, Elias. Big old dump on Elias. Lovely old job. I just clarify, the dump, was that you, given that you, you brought along with you uh, a full <laughs> stomach, or was that the Undertaker and John Cena? No, that was Elias. I see, Elias yeah. was the dump. Fine, carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the magic stuff. Big fan of it. Just a bit silly, isn't it? The Undertaker's entrance is so long, I legitimately made a shopping list whilst it was going on. <laughs> I had to go go and get some stuff after I had watched this for a bit. I just made a little list of about 10, 15 items. Lovely old job. I was really torn on this because I, re- like I, said, I really enjoyed the whole tease of this. And then when it happened, I was a bit like, if you're going to do it, do it. Surely. This isn't some to still match word well that was the rocks word jabroni but he's but the undertaker has been up this is john cena this is fun time john fun time john don't get beaten for two minutes 45 seconds but he does but i i thought they could have had a bit of fun with this in a little build even if it was just a month worth of build which i think is probably longer than the main event gets they could have had a little story and for once these two guys don't need a heel face dynamic don't need it it's just like two guys that you want to see fight at mania but then I thought at the end, I went full circle in this two minutes and 45 seconds. If you're going to do it, do it. Come on. It's like potential. This is money. You can sell it on this. And then when it finished, I was like, oh, that was lovely. I'm glad they only did it like that. Good stuff. Enjoyed it. Undertaker in great shape. He must have been chasing some people around the locker room with some knives, which is his favorite thing to do, apparently. Probably not. But he loves a knife in the changing room. So, yeah, there we go. That's it. Lovely stuff. It was almost like they decided we have to get this in. That's we're not gonna we're not gonna be mm-hmm. able to do it again or probably ever again because they're both coming to the end of their kind of main run and we've put it off for so long we've actually overshot how long we put it off for and we've kind of just got to get it in now. But 
I thought I remember this being really strange because they didn't kind of they didn't announce the match beforehand, and that was the whole reason Cena was in the crowd. It was like, oh, he's, if the Undertaker's not going to come, then I'm just going to sit and watch the whole WrestleMania. And I guess they didn't announce it because they knew they didn't want it to be very long and thought it would just be, yeah. be a bit of false advertising almost if they did. So well, I guess the the problem is if you're going to do like a big build to it you have to deliver on the match and they knew that they were incapable of delivering on the match because by his own standards the undertaker had mal- ma- like massively lost it and i don't know if they would have been able to i don't know if cena would have been well i reckon maybe back in the day they would have been able to carry a, a pretty decent match together but it was evidently not on the cards the thing that just stood out to me about it is how unbelievably bad john cena's acting is and yet somehow he's managing to carve out a career as an actor which is incredible really but yeah, but I think the thing is, though, The Undertaker says in some interview or something I've heard somewhere that he was really disappointed that it was only two minutes, 45 seconds, that he'd, he'd been told by Vince he didn't know whether he was going to have the match or not. And then when he was told he was, he was then told, oh, but it's only going to be this length of time. And he was really annoyed by it. Yeah, I also heard in relation to the match that Cena had apparently disrespected The Undertaker at some point. So he wanted to have this match. I don't know what reason, as if the Undertaker needed to put it over after the year before, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the year before, I mean, we discussed it two two weeks ago, and I was higher on that match than pretty much anybody else I think has ever been, including the Undertaker in WWE. I think they really did not like what had happened during that match. Obviously, the, the moment which sticks out is the Roman Reigns trying to reverse the, the tombstone and it not working. And then just collapse into the floor. Other than that, I thought it was actually a really decent match. And I think, and I think that was supposed to be the Undertaker's last match. I mean, obviously the ending suggests so. But I think that that match caused him to want to continue to work, but possibly also caused the WWE to be concerned to be able to. And so this is what the result is: as the Undertaker comes back for a match, but the match is really short and whatever. But it does, in a way, man, what you said is interesting because it does feel a bit like a punishment for Cena because he just gets beaten really easily. Mm. It's very strange. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's an it's an odd thing to do with two of your two of your biggest stars of all time to have them in that kind of four minute what is effectively a squash. It's 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 a really strange use and it, and it kind of reeks of them. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't it, didn't the kind of feud start with him calling out him being Cena, calling out the Undertaker about a month before WrestleMania? Is that right? Is yeah, that... I don't know how long it was, but yeah, yeah it's just it's very strange. It's a very strange sort of basically. It's like I wonder if they were like we don't know if the Undertaker is going to be able to get in shape to even do a, this short match between there, so we'll just hedge our bets. But can imagine if they had it and he was fucking sat in the front row the entire time of the match <laughs> in his really ill-fitting t-shirt and awful jeans. Oh, God. He, he looks... John Cena. John Cena, right? He is one of the most strangely proportioned men in the entire world. <laughs> his head is... A, when you see him in like, normal clothes, normal t-shirt, his head is about the size of my fucking front door. It's so <laughs> enormous. And and he's just such a strange man when you see him in, in seeing normal clothes. And the fact is now that and now that he's lost a bit of size and he's grown his hair out a little bit more, he looks like a spitting image puppet of John Cena. Now <laughs> it's he just looks so weird. And I think if you notice this, I like this because I've got quite big ears myself, but I'm lucky that they don't stick out. Enormous ears, absolute pair of satellites on the side of his head, or John Cena. <laughs> Now I feel a bit mad for making fun of how he looks. But do you know what? I'm going to even it out because The Undertaker's hairline is an absolute disgrace in this match as well. So there you go. Both two strange looking men in a really short, pointless match. And the only one who isn't follically challenged is poor Elias. He gets thrown out before anything happens. 
felt really bad because I would took the mick out of someone's appearance. So I'm going to take the mick out of someone else's yeah. appearance to make it all better. <laughs> exactly. That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> I think I think that's karma. Yeah, I think that's how the whole thing goes. So what you're saying, Tom, is that John Cena's head is a door with two satellite dishes on the side. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Oh, lovely stuff. Um, I feel sorry for Mrs. Cena passing that fucking big old bunce out of her fanny. Look at all these years ago. Poor woman. Oh. I don't think it was that size when, when that took no. place. No, but, but I'm sure it was still pretty big, though. I saw once in uh, Cornwall, uh, I went down to a place called Tintagelus, a National Trust property. I know very middle class of me, et cetera, so on and so forth. They National just opened... Trust member, Tom, I expect. Big time. Unfortunately, yep. unfortunately <laughs> I am. I never wanted to be. And then I, my wife has been a long term National Trust member. And I always said, no, not until we have kids. And then I had a kid and I was like, oh, fuck, that means I've got to sign the National Trust now. But I actually quite like it. But anyway, we went to you're lucky, Trust. You're lucky you get let in, given that they, they're called Shinskin and Kimura. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, but uh, they opened a new bridge down in Tintagel in Cornwall. And I saw our now monarch down there was opening it. And he's got a big fucking head. That guy has got an enormous head, or king by well, Prince Charles. Then, absolutely, I'm surprised it could even fit in the Range Rover that he was in because it was absolutely enormous. What has happened to you? You went down to Cornwall for the opening of a fucking bridge. No, 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 no. I just happened to be there when it happened. We were leaving Cornwall, if anything, actually, right. and it was on the way home. Have you got yourself together enough now to give us your talking point? I mean, that's debatable, regardless. But um. I think I am going to talk about the mixed tag match, I've decided. So that is Triple H and Stephanie McMahon versus Kurt Angle and Rowdy Randy Powder. And so Somebody so, else. Yes, that is. Sorry, yes. Uh, Ronda Rousey. So the video package for a start comes in. It's fucking all over the shop, right? This video package, the storyline leading into this. They say how it's all been a, uh, a dream for Ronda Rousey all her life to sign with the WWE. And yet she's surprised that she gets fucked over by Triple H and Stephanie. So you're clearly not fan, not a fan then, are you? Because they've been doing this for 20 years. There's a bit that really pissed me off in the video package where Triple H and Stephanie, again, heals. Triple H is wearing his NXT fucking fleece in it. He's like, oh, let's not forget, this is all me. I'm the NXT guy. And I was like, oh, fuck off, you prick. It's like you're doing the DX things all over again when you're a heel. Such an absolute bellend. Obviously putting himself over. He says that this is all about Ronda Rousey's ego, which, again, you're wearing your own branded hoodie or fleece in the video. So you're the last person to speak about ego, Mr. H. And Kurt Angle, all the background, is, just doesn't know what's going on, does he? This shows footage of him being the general manager. And it's just him just wandering around, gormlessly grinning at other wrestlers. It's, it's very weird. And in this, Stephanie's character is so horrendous as well and so dreadful. All she's just doing is just shitting over the roster. And this is going all the way back through all of the awful authority stuff. She's just shitting everyone over. But there is this one great bit in the video footage where it's the interview with Stephanie and Triple H. And they're like, well, then Kurt Angle came into it. I don't know why he did that. And Triple H goes, Kurt Angle's an idiot. He is an absolute <laughs> idiot. <laughs> he just doubles down on it. And I was like, that's very funny. That really made me laugh. But into the actual match of it all. First of all, they say this is Triple H's 22nd WrestleMania match, which is the second most of all time behind Undertaker, presumably. Yeah. That I was like, fucking hell, fair play. I mean, majority of like, I'd say probably 21 of those have been stinkers. So for him to carry on that, you know, have a run like that was pretty impressive. But they have a little daft entrance on quad bikes. 
which is a bit silly, and then just Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey just walk down looking like jabronis. What they do in this match, which I thought was actually really, really quite good, is it is they 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 do a really good job in building the crowd up and then just taking them straight back down again. I was genuinely surprised at how how invested the crowd were into it and how much I actually enjoyed it. So basically, there's there's a lot of stuff where basically it's kind of like Kurt Angle getting beaten up and they're just teasing the hot that tag on uh, Ronda Rousey for ages, and they do a really good job at delaying that until it happens and then when the tag happens it's absolutely amazing but immediately Stephanie McMahon gets far too much offense in on Ronda Rousey like through eye rakes and stuff like that and it all leads kind of to a bit where Ronda and Triple H square off which is which is really good um there's some great pops in it like when Ronda Rousey saves Kurt Angle from a beat down there's some there's some good bits in it but it's just a bit it's a really good really good example of how to, to raise and lower the crowd through it but and it was a decent enough match. But I just thought, I kind of, oh, fuck, I don't know where I'm going to say. I kind of enjoyed it, but it's also a bit shit at the same time. I don't really know how to describe it other than that. Because I appreciate it from one standpoint. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Kurt Angle can barely walk. Triple H is far past his best. Stephanie's not a wrestler. Ronda Rousey's never been in a wrestling match before. So taking the, that into consideration, I actually think the match is pretty good. I was a bit conflicted about it, but I've just talked myself around to, to saying that it was a decent match. I think I'm going to... Um release a new trailer for this show in the near future i think the main tagline is going to be i think i kind of enjoyed it but it's a bit shit yeah yeah <laughs> definitely but that's what i think about the match the, the build-ups the build-ups nonsense it's all just a, a, an exercise in triple h and stephanie getting themselves over but ultimately the right person wins and the right person gets the victory in the in the in the fact that uh rousey makes makes stephanie tap out to the arm bar and yeah it doesn't matter how we got there. It's the result that matters. We'll see that. I can't be honest, Tom. I'm a bit confused. You're annoyed. <laughs> you're annoyed that hills are being hills. Like, yeah. You're like, Triple H is going on about ego. <laughs> Look at him. Fucking ego with his NXT top. Fucking face. <laughs> 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 like a fucking four-year-old <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he didn't even know it was 2024 next year a minute ago. Yeah. It's amazing. I can, so I can remember this segment from Raw with the table spot, which does have a lot of Kurt Angle looking gormless in the background, it must be said. I am with you. It's fucking amazing, that is. It's absolutely amazing. I really like the bits to camera. I love the fact that Angle just sits there in silence as Rousey's talking. I was like, so well, this Wonder Rousey's fucking good in front of a camera, isn't she? Get her life. Great, great with a mic in hand. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the stuff that she does to camera, where they can obviously do a million takes, pretty good. Uh, quad bikes, Tommy. They're like tricycles. Oh, are they? That's what they try. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's the thing. I was like, it's fucking noisy, isn't it? So why not just use genuine tricycles? Quieter, <laughs> better for the environment as well. We'll come down on honest. like a boy. <laughs> yeah. Electric scooters. <laughs> or, or, or a Segway to like Simon Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Cole, very excited by the entrance of Triple H to Stephanie. Coach then describes it as one of the coolest he's ever seen. I personally thought it was fine. Now, the match, I thought, was a fucking blast. Oh, this was exactly what it needed to be. You've got Stephanie giving some cheap shots before the bell. Angle, who is, to your point, Tom, 10% of the worker he was, I think. Turns out that a crippling painkiller addiction for many years, 3,009 neck surgeries, 
aren't good for the body and probably wrestling on it isn't it's a cracking match the following year so you can catch that in a couple of weeks the hot tag to rousey to your point tommy is fucking fantastic and stephanie takes some absolute beating from rousey who evidently can't quite pull her punches because she's quite excited so she absolutely leathers her a few times again to your point stephanie holding off the arm bars a bit much but i liked all the eye rakes i thought that makes sense because that's kind of something that a fucking prick in a fight who was no good at fighting would actually do and i fucking loved the triple h browsy stuff that was like the best 30 seconds of the whole sh- of the whole show i thought it was absolutely brilliant the way they did it don't know why triple h goes to do a power bomb has he ever done a power bomb ever in his career and he goes to power bomb rousey reversed into the arm by a lovely old job and a double submission spot where triple h breaks it i can't remember how i just wrote where Triple H breaks it. He, I don't know what the word is, but he uses his leverage to push Angle into Ronda That's Rousey. There's like a forward roll, doesn't he? Yeah. Of. Yeah. Excellent. You know what's more dangerous than a powerbomb? A forward roll. These fucking well, forward rolls will get you mind. Well, I think I, I think I may have said this a long time ago on, on the show, but about a year <laughs> or so ago, I tried to do a forward roll and I got scared and I didn't. I stopped. <laughs> It made me think, so this was going to be my other talking point. So going to go through the match, lovely. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was like, it's not quite Rosie and The Rock against Triple H and Stephanie. And I thought, you know what, it's probably better for it. Because I think it's all about Rosie. And they do a, I thought they did a fucking masterful job, to be honest. Although this was top class. And this is my match of the night, I think. And Stephanie is my MVP. Because I think she's such a cunt in this. The whole thing, the video package as well. Thought it was great. Lovely old job. I'm off for the night. See you later. Yeah, I'm going to come over all John Theroux as well because I loved it. Thought it was just <laughs> magnificent. And this is the match I remember from the first time watching it. I was cynical as to whether I would like it as much this time around, and I did. I thought it was just great. I thought that the video package was excellent in terms of the build. Of the, the It was kind of a UFC-style build where they're talking to the camera or they're talking just off the camera. you know. And it's it's relaxed. It's not like people cutting wrestling promos they're just talking about their perspective and everything going in i noted tom your what you said about the um roster and them being independent. indeed it does happen because at one point stephanie says we will humble ronda rousey the same way we've humbled every superstar in wwe which was you know giving me shivers to the authority era which i guess we're kind of still in even at this point because they are playing those characters but then the match is just excellent. And what I loved about it, I get why I'm, um, Stephanie's your MVP, old man, because he is phenomenal in this. She does all the fundamentals of heel work really, really well. She does all the old fashioned stuff, like she goes around the ring, pulls one of the rounds off the apron and, and prevents her from tagging Angle. She holds on to Angle in the corner so that Triple H can beat him up. He kind of gives him a slap here and there. Like she does everything. She's her facial expressions, just brilliant. She's just excellent. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I do think it's because it matches her probably a real life character, but that's the point. It, she's just she's just great at it, and therefore they get so much heat on Triple H and Stephanie. And in addition to that, on the other side of the ring, you've got Kurt Angle, who I think this must have probably been his return match, or if not his return match, then one of the very few matches that he'd had since returning to the WWE. Forty nine years old at this point when he had this match, Christ. and 
Ronda Rousey, who, even though she had been kind of exposed a little bit in UFC by this point, having lost a couple of fights and not very, not very great circumstances, was still a huge superstar, huge deal. And the fans were still really, really excited to see her. And so they then played on that perfectly as well. So they delayed and delayed and delayed. And then she comes in the ring. She gets the babysitter basically shine on her for the first like two minutes where she's basically kicking Steph's ass. And then Steph gets back her with the eye rakes and whatever else, does all the hill stuff. Then they go through all that. And then they have the brilliant bit with Triple H and Ronda Rousey where they're fighting each other. And it's just super heated, super excited. The fans are going nuts for it. I just thought it was a really, really excellently put together match between people who I don't know whether I would imagine that somebody has worked with them quite extensively on planning this out simply because you've got Stephanie in there who's not a wrestler, Kurt Angry's not wrestled for ages, and Ronda Rousey's having her first match effectively. So I can't imagine they just say, go out there and do something. This has been carefully choreographed, and whoever did choreograph it is excellent. But I'm not going to give them the MVP. I'm giving that to MV, uh, giving that to Ronda Rousey because she was. I thought excellent. She played a role fantastically. She looked like a badass, and she came through, won the match in the end, and I loved it. I just thought it was a really excellent match. I thought that on the night, and I still think it now. Really good. Do you reckon Triple H was like, I reckon I could bring a five-star match out of Kurt Angle if we had enough time. If I had a good <laughs> twenty-five minutes, I could get straight up between the bells in in the ropes. Great wrestling match out of him. Trust me, Vince, I could do it. Business probably like yeah, and there's some some hero backstage is like no 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 God no no let's do something else and that um, that guy should be your MVP Tinky whoever that's that was. true yeah that is true um maybe maybe it was Triple H himself maybe he finally realised his limitations and was like no I can't I can't do that again but does he have another WrestleMania match after this yes I was thinking that he, I couldn't he fights Batista the following year oh yeah and it's fucking brilliant that should be interesting well I'll look forward okay. to that. Yeah. Uh, oh man, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a few other things that go on here. So first of all, the Dana White is shown in the crowd. Yeah. He's cele- celebrating. Yes. Yeah, his win. Yeah. And then Bobby G is back. I seen the cunt. <laughs> it's not Bobby G mania, mate. No, like genuinely, if Bobby G is listening, please get in touch. I'm not going to mug you off because I'm not on Twitter and I can't. Don't put yourself over so much, mate. Don't try so hard. If you need to try that hard to put yourself over in life. You'd speak someone about it and sort your fucking life out. You are right. It's not Bobby G Mania because it's at least Bobby G Mania three by this point. It's not more. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Do you reckon? I wonder Bobby what G Mania. Do you reckon it's like R? Do you reckon it's like RG three old man? That old NFL uh, player. Could be. He probably have RG three though. That's probably just more on brand <laughs> than I suppose. So what do I make as my um, talking point? I'm going to go with the match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, another 20-minute match. So the mixed tag match is 20 minutes. And this is also 20 minutes. It's for the WWE title. Shinsuke Nakamura having won the Royal Rumble. Before the match, and this is probably the main gist of my talking point, Corey Graves says, we are about to see a classic. The build is very much about this is going to be a dream match. It's going to be you know, absolutely phenomenal, which we've discussed before. I think it's a stupid way to hype a match because it means nothing to anybody who doesn't care about the star rating of the match. Not to say that we aren't those people because we rate matches and watch matches and comment on them all the time, but not everyone does. But I thought this was actually a really good match. But they had done so much work to raise expectations in the build to it that got, it felt went down like a wet fart yep. after about three minutes. And it just didn't come across as a dream match whatsoever. I actually think what they did was excellent. Obviously, 
didn't deliver in the way that they hoped it would. And therefore, it wasn't a great match. But it could have been had they not done the stupid hype job on it that they did. And the funny thing is, is that on top of everything, Styles and Nakamura have had amazing matches in the past. They had one at Wrestle Kingdom, I think, three years before this. It was probably, I think it was about 35 minutes, the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom. They were never going to get given that at WrestleMania. So it was never going to be the same kind of match, which is the other thing that anybody who hadn't been overhyped by the hype or probably overhyped expecting that and we're never going to get that either so for me a really decent match completely spoiled by the way they built to it now, i i agree with that 100 and in fact my note says the match is good there's no atmosphere whatsoever that's the problem with having a dream match with two good wrestlers people don't know who to support there's not like a clearly defined heel or baby face really i mean it's kind of nakamura looks like he's doing a little bit of vaguely healy stuff in the in the video package but not really yeah it's it's disappointing because it the match in itself i think is very good but it's there's just a there's just no atmosphere the match is just dead and now to be fair i'm not surprised because the poor cunts in the crowd are about three and a half hours in at this point as well so they're probably knackered by the time it comes around and nakamura'd yeah <laughs> na- yeah shinsuke knackered they're, they're knackered more than they would have been if the match was just, just completely murdered my pun yeah 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 i know i know that was deliberate <laughs> yeah the, the other thing that was this weird I, uh, shinsuke nakamura is someone i've never really got if i'm being honest and i don't people i don't know why people say he's charismatic because he looks like he's having a seizure as he walks into the ring like I don't know why why that's why that's considered to be charisma. I didn't I don't really get it to be honest. But what I will say, and also the, the, his entrance was really cool. I thought his entrance was really cool. They had the guitar player and uh, and all the drummers and stuff and violinists and and what have you. And then AJ Styles just walks down to the ring. <laughs> he just say like, hello, hello, I'm Alan. <laughs> just walking down to the ring. I'm the champ. Hello. And then it just seems a bit. But the end. What I will say about the match is like, it's really good, really hard hitting. The match deserved better than the crowd gave them, but the crowd didn't have a choice because of the way it was booked going in. The uh, win is very satisfying though. The old uh, stars clash after at a Kinshasa. Is that what it's called? The knee thing that Shinsuke does. Yeah. Attempt at that. So that was that was a really really nice finishing sequence. But I have seen. Um, I think it was was it AJ's last match in New Japan was against. Yeah, I think so. Against well, Shinsuke, Nakamura. Shinsuke Nakamura's last match. So I think. Oh yeah. And I've seen that match, and it was very, very good, and it was never going to live up to that standard because, as you said, Tinky, they weren't going to be given the time for it, and they were given a shitty build. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, a little bit of a shame, really. Memory serves me right. The end of that match is Shinsuke Nakamura. He's got, or not the end of the match, but at one point, Shinsuke Nakamura's got an armbar and Styles, and he reverses it into the Styles clash. And it's just, it was excellent. It's it a really good match, but yeah, this isn't as good. And I'm glad that you picked, you said it, Tom. That's the truth, is that there's no heel, there's no babyface, there's no investment in who wins. And then at the end of the match, of course, they have the handshake, they do the gentlemanly thing, and then Shinsuke Nakamura low blows to AJ Styles, and I'm left there at the end thinking, should have done that a month ago, and then had the Mm -hmm. grudge match here. You know why they didn't do it a month before? It's so that they could have the cool entrance with Nina Strauss. That's why. That's why I realised. Because I can remember the match. I thought the match was all right. I very much was fed up with Corey Graves the, the second he said, get ready for a classic. I There's no build for it. And kind of to your, all of your points, there's no crowd engagement. It just feels like such a fucking waste. And I also didn't think, contrary to what you said, Tom, there's no inkling that Nakamura is going to turn heel. No inkling at all. He's just working the match. 
Oh, wait, if they had dripped that into the match, I think you could have got something where people were going, oh, hang on a minute, because why is he turning heel? Because he wants the title, but it's not about that. Is it? It's not about the title. It's just about it being a dream match. I'm very disappointed. Very disappointed. A bit upset. Not quite as upset as I was when the kickoff show panel turned up afterwards. But I felt like this was a chance for them to really like do something. But then I realised, actually, I didn't know who Nakamura was until he turned up at NXT. Didn't have a clue who he was then either, to be honest. Crowd just got excited. And there is probably a whole crowd of people. I didn't know they wrestled the Wrestle Kingdom. Didn't give a shit about that, to be honest. I just knew that this was two people that had a history. Didn't know what the history was. And I think there were probably quite a few people in that crowd who were like me. And were just like, all right, yeah, all right, cool. It's going to be a good match, is it? Is that all we're waiting for? Okay. The same AEW, bitches. <clears throat> the thing is, is that all they have to do, if they don't have a personal issue that they can think of or dream up, just have to both talk about how much it means to them to win. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all they have to do. You have Shinsuke Nakamura say, Who? You know, I've won everything. I've won everything in the world. I've won the major titles in Japan. You know, I'm here to win the biggest prize in the game, the WWE title. Simple. Done. AJ Styles won everything everywhere. I am the WWE champion. All that's left for me to do is get a WWE championship victory at WrestleMania. I have a quick question about that, doing doing that. And this may show my ignorance. Is Nakamura's command of our mother tongue enough to be able to get that over convincingly, do you think? I think so. I mean, he's only has to say like three lines. I think yeah. that'd be fine. And he's been there. He's been in America for what nearly a year by the point that this happened. So mm-hmm. I would have thought he would have enough English to be able to say three things, which is one everything yeah. everywhere. I want to win the WWE title. Yeah, he had also at this point, and I can remember listening to it. He'd done a podcast with Jericho where he spoke English, obviously throughout. I just think that what this was was this was Vince McMahon going, "Sorry, pal, but you're going to lose to." The American, then the American audience is no. That's where I was, unfortunately. Very possibly. Scum. No, Tom, I'm, very, I'm aware that you need to go now. I do, yes. Because um, you've got to do bedtime. So we're going to let you go. Me and our man will carry on for maybe 10 more minutes or so to get to round off the first half. Then we'll have a little break. Then we'll come back and you'll join us when you're ready to join us in the second half. That I will. Bye, Tom. Bye. 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 <laughs> So Tom's going to be very, very disappointed that he doesn't get to talk about America the Beautiful because that's where we start. WrestleMania mm. 34, as we so often do, but not always. I'm not having that anymore. That's a nonsense. There's no, there is no tradition. Right? It doesn't exist. It's just mm. something they do occasionally when they want to. Jojo introduces the future of music. Chloe and Halle facing America the Beautiful. Uh, this was actually quite decent. A dramatic rendition. Something a little bit different, I thought. And so maybe they are the future music. I'm going to check them out on the basis of this performance. Well, do you know who Halle is? No, I don't. Halle is the young lady who played Ariel in the live action version of The Little Mermaid. Okay. And I thought it was an absolutely fine performance. I didn't find it particularly interesting because I've heard America Beautiful a thousand times. But I do agree they did something a bit different. And... The main thing that got me was that fucking set. Oh, my word. It is a beauty, that set. It's impressive, and it's a heck of a visual. I think in the actual setting of a match in an arena, it actually takes quite a lot away from it. 
because it's so big. But just like a front on view, I was like, oh, yeah. All those American flags blowing in the wind. Beautiful. Oh, the value of that. Those sets seem to be going up. Like they just they look like they're fucking expensive now. And, make, mm. and they're doing it for one show. So yeah. it really does look very impressive. And they're just absolutely massive, these things now. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. Then get the WrestleMania intro video. Mm. Highly polished representation of New Orleans to yeah. start with. And then um, song plays that I believe is on WrestleMania 30 as well. And I thought this intro video was a little bit flimsy in general. Oh, I thought it was terrible. Mm. I can remember watching it and thinking, oh, it feels very flat. And yeah, really, really, really poor. And it's leaning on jazz again. And to your point, they've done this four years before for one of the best videos that's ever happened. And uh, yeah, just it felt really lazy. And we don't need to know about Bourbon Street. We know about it. Apparently, it stinks of vomit. It's fucking horrible. You wouldn't know it from the tourist emotional video they <laughs> used here, though, would you? Fucking hell. Mm-mm-mm. So we've, in the last few, since WrestleMania 30, of course, WWE refused to use the numbers in their WrestleMania mm. um, presentation. So we obviously had WrestleMania 31, which I think was WrestleMania Play Button. WrestleMania 32 was WrestleMania Star. Then we crowned mm-hmm. WrestleMania 30, WrestleMania Rollercoaster last year. This one, yeah. I think it's WrestleMania Face Mask. Is that fair? Yes, it must be. Yeah, well, WrestleMania Mardi Gras. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, all right. No, I'll give you that one. Mardi Gras, WrestleMania Mardi Gras, mm. fine. And yeah. immediately, Seth Rollins comes out to the ring wearing the blue contact lenses. I think Roman Reigns have been wearing some a few years back. Yes, do you reckon they're the same ones? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they're disposable. <laughs> yeah, and, he... and Roman had some left. Yeah, I reckon so. And then he was like, "I'm going to dress up as a White Walker from Game of Thrones." Yes, and, of course. Yeah, and Reigns went, "I got some," and. uh you know they're trying to push me as the face of the company. I don't think it's going to work, lads. But you can take those contact lenses. And then he'd sell a little cry in the back. That's what I think probably happened. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. Exactly the conversation no. they had. Commentary team are Michael <laughs> Cole, Corey Graves and Jonathan Coachman. And then we get our opening match. It's a triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. It's the champion, The Miz, defending against both Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. i got to be honest, when this started... They came out and I was like, oh, Seth Rollins is facing someone. Fine. Oh, The Miz is coming out. Because I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember what the match was mm. before. Miz came out second. Like, okay, Seth Rollins and The Miz. And then Finn Balor. I was like, oh, really feels like they've chucked together three people they felt really needed to be on this show. But they don't think yeah. of anything more decent for them to do. But I thought this was actually a really good match at the end. Not three people I'm interested in watching. So that really took mm. away from it for me. But just on face value, just in terms of what they did, I thought this was pretty good. I agree. I think they got pretty much everything out of it. They work quite well as a three together, I think, as well. Pretty decently. Michael Cole, ever the professional. The Miz puts on a figure four to Finn Balor. Finn Balor reaches for the ropes. What does Cole say? No rope breaks. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And then there's a lovely crossbody by Rollins to break it up, which kind of, I go I go very up and down on Seth Rollins. So I watch some stuff there. They, oh, you know what? He's actually really good. What's other stuff I think you're absolute turd. He hits a lovely splash then. Well, crossbody. I liked the there's a little sequence where Rollins buckle bombs the Miz, and then there's a top rope superplex to Finn Balor. Then he rolls it into a second suplex. Balor does a roll up, and then there's a skull crusher finale to Rollins that's broken up by Balor in a lovely little sequence that probably lasts 20, 25 seconds. But it was absolutely cracking stuff. I thought it was kind of, to your point, 
a very decent start to the show. The result was somewhat signposted because the commentators kept saying that Seth Rollins was looking for this title to become a Grand Slam champion, which is all right if you mention it once, but they mentioned it about four times, both before and during the match, which is just lazy. It's just like, you don't need to. You can mention it when he does it. Don't signpost it. It doesn't matter. But I thought this was a really, really decent start to the night. Thanks. Sorry, mate. I didn't yeah. uh, I didn't personally provide it, but I'll take the thanks all the same. I have a I have a bit of a philosophical issue anyway with the whole Grand Slam nonsense. Like, who cares? Like, who's who's mm-hmm. especially if you've won the bigger prizes first. I mean, it's a bit different if you yeah. break your way through them all, win the tag belts, win the IC belt, win the US title, etc. But if you've already won everything else and then you win the like, what's the point in that? It was a fine yeah. fuck about that. It's shit. And it should also be much much harder. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. should just be much much harder. And it wouldn't take very much imagination to make it harder. I think the Grand Slam anyway should be the WWE title the royal rumble and maybe oh, like yeah. the king of the ring or something rather than secondary belts and no one gives a damn about but yeah i mean so i didn't that but you're right they, they really do signpost it the Corey gravesness of the bad commentary begins right away because he says in a situation like this you're gonna have to go high risk mm. meant nothing meant absolutely nothing yeah nice uh, entrance from Finn Balor came out with members of the LGBT community of New Orleans. He was going through that period of very much supporting LGBT mm. rights at the time. And um, yeah, I just it was a very good match. And I think this summed up Rollins for me is I think he's a very good wrestler when it comes to technically and athletically. He's very very good. May not amazing, but he's very very good. Just don't think he's very good at the other stuff, especially when he's a babyface. There's nothing likable about him. I don't understand why anyone cheers for him. He's got nothing to grasp hold of and sort of go, that's, that's endearing. I like that about that person. He just doesn't have anything. So it's much better as a heel. Here's playing a babyface. And it's just the reason why when we had 2021 and Jericho as my figure of eight, I gradually thawed towards him as the year went on because that, like, you could. We, we watched lots of Jericho matches during the year and I realized there were things that I could admire him for and admire the career he'd had edge similarly you know we did 2022 and again saw a lot of matches and i got less happy with edge than i did jericho by the end of the year but still there was, you know, there was a, a little bit more respect for him i haven't been able to get there with seth rollins this year now i partially because no. we haven't seen huge amounts of seth rollins matches but mm. everything he does is is adequate it's decent in the ring it's just i don't ever care I never care when mm. I'm watching it. I don't care if he wins, loses. I don't care about the matches. They did very well to get me to a place where I could say this was very good because normally that would this wouldn't happen because I, won't, I don't care enough. But yeah, this was a this was a really decent match. Yeah, and you missed the most important part. So this comes down with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, um, who he sends to the back. And mm. you know what I thought? I thought I'm glad that they got their WrestleMania moment. Well, this is the Miz. Obviously, they're preparing a baby face to him for the Miz. Yeah. And it's interesting because he's they're talking about the fact that he's a new father or, he's you know, he's, he's Maurice mm. is pregnant or something. I don't know if she'd had the baby or not by this point. And I thought, actually, that that is the kind of thing that if they do it properly, I can really get behind because I like again, it's the journey aspect of the person mm. saying, you know, he's, he's had a new baby and he and that is changing his perspective. And he feels like he needs to turn over a new leaf because of it. I buy that. I quite like the idea that the problem is, is that. Within two years, he's gone back heel again, so it doesn't mean yeah. anything, um, which is a great shame. Because obviously, he sends them to the back because he says, no, you know, I'm going to try and win this on my own. But he doesn't. Pathetic. 
We then are introduced to the SmackDown Live commentary team, Tom Phillips, Iron Saxton and Corey Graves, which is disappointing. I was hoping for a full on change of, of commentary team, but no, Corey Graves is on the whole damn show. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know, like with Corey, I like Corey Graves more now, probably because I don't really watch much stuff. I always just thought he was okay. Just okay. He does have these annoying little sound bites. He's the soundbite guy, isn't he? I think at this stage. I think he's okay. Kind of didn't really notice him on this show, apart from the couple of clunkers that he actually dropped in. Because when you're next to the coach, who isn't particularly good, and Byron Saxton, who doesn't say much. You know who I loved hearing on this? Tom Phillips. You love a bit of Tom Phillips, don't you? I do. I just think he was really, really good. Really sad that he's gone. Still sad for him, even though I don't watch. Like, still really sad. But yeah, it's not primetime commentary teams, is it? I mean, it's not JBL. It's not Booker T. It's not The King. So we're happy about that. You think where Corey Graves managed to be so important to WWE's commentary team is he was the much needed update or more modern pop culture understanding person if that makes any sense like yeah. years Jerry Lawler, ABL, Booker T, guys in their 50s talking alongside Jim Ross or Michael Cole guys in their 50s they didn't they didn't have any kind of reference that people who were under 35 kind of relate to. Corey Graves kind of brought that for a while Mm. problem is is that what's his face came along and did something that was even that pushed that even further i can't remember the guy's name you know the, the guy that does the nfl um stuff and uh, 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 pat mcafee that's the one and he came along and was again another push forward and then they've gone back yeah. to Corey graves and you're like oh now he now he seems a bit dated mcafee was so much so much fresh you know such, such a breath of fresh air to the commentary desk yeah, I, I do actually agree with that. I, I know you weren't ever the biggest fan of him, but I think I think old Pat McAfee was such a shot in the arm for... I think I came round to him. I came round to him as time went yeah. on. So I guess we should take a break there and we'll go for a quick break. Uh, we'll come back and we will cover the rest of WrestleMania 34. And John, 
John, if you thought this was just gonna be another walk in the park, not with me. Back up, John. I'll take it from here. In fact, as I look out into this sea of 75,000 plus people who paid to see Elias do what he does best. That's right, John. You go and do what you do best and sit in that seat and be a spectator. Now I am about to make history. WrestleMania and John wants a fight. I'm not what he expected, but guess what? It's Elias's night. I traveled the world and I found this truth. I think John Cena's had it up. Cena very upset tonight. Didn't get what he wanted at WrestleMania. So he's going to take oh. out on Elias. Right now, John Cena is my favorite superstar. Elias was hoping for a Johnny bye-bye tonight, but it's going to be Elias bye-bye if this keeps up. Uh, this is just frustration blowing out of Cena. Well, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And now the AA to Elias. I don't think he's the only one frustrated or disappointed. Welcome back. So we have next on the show a video for the first of our women's title matches. And that's it's up. Charlotte Flair versus Asuka for the SmackDown women's title. A 13-minute match, which is won by Charlotte Flair by submission when um, she applies the figure eight. Oh, man, what did you make of this? The build is dreadful. I can remember the build being dreadful. Like, this is legitimately... At this point, this is the biggest match. I think this is probably the biggest match they've got because the main event has already happened. Like It's happened before and it's happened a lot better than it happens on this show. This is their big match, I think. Second on the card, which I thought was absolute lunacy. And the, it's just flat. Like The rivalry's flat. Charlotte gets like the Triple H at, is it WrestleMania 30? When he comes down, or is it 30? can't remember which one he comes down when he gets off the throne. It was down on every uh, show, mate. So uh, I'll <laughs> come down in order to get to the ring. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, so she gets that kind of entrance, which is interesting because in the video, so WrestleMania, casual fans all over the shop. Is Charlotte a heel or a face? You can't really tell from the video, to be honest. Same with Asuka. Asuka comes down with the same entrance as normal. She's got a really cool entrance, so I don't kind of really need anything else. I thought this match, this match frustrated me at the time. It frustrated me, again, to be honest, because it's decent. It's decent, but it's fucking short, I think, for what they should get. I think if this match happens now, they probably get another five minutes, at least. It feels, the end feels very rushed. 
and out of the blue, which I don't think is always a bad thing. But this is Charlotte Flair ending an enormous winning streak by Asuka. And I couldn't get past that. Like Charlotte, Charlotte loses this match. She loses nothing. Absolutely nothing. She is built. She is made. They have no problem with that. Absolutely no problem. It felt like, and I can remember us having this conversation, either with the day that we watched this or in the weeks after, that they basically killed Asuka's WWE career with this result. And they kill it even more with what happens after the match when Asuka says that Charlotte was ready for Asuka. Because for those who don't know, Asuka's thing was like, no one's ready for Asuka. And they just fucking buried her completely, I thought. And then they compound that by Charlotte tells Asuka to stay in the ring after Charlotte leaves. And initially, I'm a bit like, oh, that's nice. She's like giving her like the chance to get the credit. But then she has to stand there like a fucking pleb whilst the referee comes down and speaks to John Cena. And Asuka yeah. has to sell that surprise. And I thought this should, because I fucking love both of these women. They are tremendous at what they do. And they get so close to being almost allowed to have a really, really great match. And they just get it wrong in pretty much, like, no, sorry, not they, WWE get it wrong in pretty much every single conceivable way, I think. And I was so deflated at the end of this because I was like, this is where they just ruined Asuka. Asuka's still doing it, still having really, really good matches. Don't fucking mean shit all. Doesn't mean anything, unfortunately. Whereas if they'd had a win here, beat the queen, beat the the unbeatable, effectively, because F- Charlotte Flair was held in such high esteem and still is, quite rightly, by WWE, you could have made her and just been like, you could have kept them apart for years with the amount of people that they individually could have brought up to like a top level and then had them come together two, three years later, but they didn't. They fucked it. Certainly, Asuka's not meant anywhere near as much as she did prior to this match, since this match. And that's a great shame. Obviously, she went through NXT mm. undefeated and then came into WWE, was still undefeated, and she was excellent. She is excellent. And, yeah, they shouldn't They shouldn't have had Charlotte Flair win. I, I totally agree. Charlotte Flair should not have beaten Asuka. The match was really good. I thought the match was really good. And I thought the end, though it was anticlimactic, I thought was impressive simply because of the way, at the end of it, Charlotte Flair still expertly selling the arm that Asuka's been mm. working on the entire match. Very Hello, disappointing. Lads. Hello, Tom. Hello. <laughs> Tom, is, Tom is back. So you've discussed the first match, presumably. Bugger. Because that was the, probably my match of the night. <laughs> For the first match. Um, well, you can tell us about that in your in your wrap up at the end. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So you talk about Charlotte um, versus Asuka then. So yeah. I agree with what I walked in on then, saying that the wrong person won that match, and I actually felt that about the Intercontinental match as well. The match started off, I thought, with real, really good intensity. There was a moment where a moonsault was counted into a triangle choke, which is excellent. Which, but I must say, and I'll come across as t- come back this later, the triangle choke is something that needs to stop happening in wrestling because it never looks good when people have got their boots on. Like it always ends up looking really loose and crap. Um, but that's that's one thing or another. I just a question I had to because I think at some point I can't remember who I think um, 
Charlotte to uh, no, so Asuka to Charlotte. Um, they do a, a suplex to the outside of the ring, and it looks so mm. brutal. Uh, funnily enough, I watched this in a garage in uh, waiting for my car to get car battery to get replaced, and I watched it on my phone. And I was sat there, and as I was sat there, I almost felt like winded just watching Charlotte's impact. But I was sat there, I was like, Ugh! and they were like, "Excuse me, sir, are you okay?" And I was like, "Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Just leave me alone." I thought this match was really good. There's an amazing Spanish fly from the top rope, which looks amazing. But I, what I thought was just, a, I thought the ending was a bit shit as well. It felt a bit just out of nowhere. It felt like the Charlotte just slaps on the figure eight, and then you got, then you're done. And I was a bit like, Ugh, this is a bit shit. And they do a little bit where they have a little hug after the match, and it was okay. But whilst I didn't particularly like it in the AJ Styles Shin, Shinsuke match, I would have quite liked to uh, just ask her to have just boot her in the head at that point. <laughs> but um. <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought that this match was really, really good, and I just thought the ending was a bit flat, and I kind of wish that someone, well, not someone other than Charlotte, I just wish that Asuka won. The video package is quite funny, though, at the beginning, because just Ric Flair's crying, <laughs> basically, for like three minutes, stood behind Charlotte, just crying. Just yeah, a, a, rare, a rare moment where he's crying, but not leaving. Yes, yeah, exactly. I saw um, that TNA promo the other day, actually, the one where he blades, or one of the many, that he, he just starts punching himself in the head in hard ways. It's like, you're fucking mental. He's such a crazy old bastard. And not yeah. necessarily in a good way. But at, at this point, I'm, I, as I said, I started watching this and was very pessimistic about the five-hourness of it. But I was like, do you know what? If these first two matches have got anything to go by, I'll be in for a good ride. The other reason it's such a shame that Asuka didn't win this match is that that might have allowed them to do a rematch the following year and keep Charlotte Flair out of the match between Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, which would have been the right thing as far as I'm concerned. But we'll get to that in two weeks' time. Yeah, then there's all the John Cena stuff where the referee comes out and speaks to John Cena. And then we get match number three, which is the United States title, a fatal four-way match this time. The defending champion Randy Orton against Jinder Mahal, Bobby Roode and Rusev. My main comment on this at the end is I had no interest in this in the first place. And then Rusev, the only wrestler who appeared to be at all over, gets beaten. Yeah. I There's a bit that, that Rusev does that really annoys me. He goes to throw uh, some kind of super kick. And uh, I think Jinder Mahal ducks it and he still slaps his leg as if there's been impact. And I was like, oh, Jock, do you know you wouldn't have any of that? The hitman. He won't have any of that at all. There's someone refers to Aiden English as Rusev's Lynn Manuel Miranda, which is an incredible shout by anyone because I can't think of anyone probably least like Lynn Manuel Miranda than than Aiden English. It's a very also, very bizarre quote. Also, how? In what way? Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> makes no sense, does it? At least because what he sings for him, doesn't he? But it's like there are loads of singers. <laughs> Like Lin Miranda is is an incredible talent, but I wouldn't say he's a great vocalist either. So I don't. It's just very, very odd. Jinder Mahal's music is absolutely just incredible fire. Yeah. I, I love it. It's amazing. Um, and I did think to myself, I'm about to have a bit of a come down after those first two matches, but I quite enjoyed it. Rusev hits a great tumble down the stairs on Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal at one point. And I don't know, I don't know what went through my head at this point. This note, but I wrote they could do a trans gimmick with Jinder Mahal, and he could go as gender neutral. But I don't know whether or not that. Would, don't think WWE would have the the nuance to be able to pull that off. I'm, I'm behind it. I'm all the way. But I will, yeah. I will petition WWE for it. That'd be excellent. Yeah, the people getting into arguments about bathrooms and stuff like that. It, I mean, I, WWE's way they handle things with such sensitivity. I can't see it going wrong. I really can't. <laughs> 
gender neutral. Yeah. But I was I was almost impressed at how dead the crowd were for this match. It's like this is three matches in. I think it's technically six matches in if you're talking about the pre-show because I think there's three pre-show matches. But at this point, they're already they're already dead. And further to your point, Tinky, about the finisher from Jinder Mahal, I've written Jinder wins after hitting Rusev with something because I could no idea what the move was called. But overall. It's a bit, bit pointless, but it's quite fun. The thing you've got to bear in mind is, like, you've got a disinterested Randy Orton who's been into the match because they need him to be on the card, and that's all the, you know, that's, that's the reason he's there. And you've got him in a match with the guy, Jinder Mahal, that he had fought about a billion times the yeah, year before for that for the WWE title. And you've got Bobby Roode, who is basically Randy Orton adjacent. Yeah. So... Effectively, it was I was I was out before as much even began. The second line after I noted that it's for the US title is, oh, no interest in this lineup. But I've forgotten. I must admit, for one, I, to be honest, I'd forgotten Bobby Roode existed before before this match. But did, I was like, oh, that music's good. And that oh, is, yeah. is, is music that is true. tremendous, yeah, is. Like, yeah. glorious. It's like Queen, isn't it? Like the way that Queen used to harmonise their vocals to make it sound almost operatic. It was, yeah. oh, it's wonderful stuff. Massive, but, massive sound. Yeah, big, big tune, big tune. It was reasonably pointless, and you, as you said, it's right. That's a way to get some people on the card, but there were moments in it that were right. But like you said, the the only person in the match who's truly over gets pinned is a little bit of a oh, come on guys <laughs> what are you doing no good no good at although all. i do think though that rusev or miro is actually quite shit <laughs> i think i was i think he's fine i think he's fine i just think that you know i think as with as with any act with all in the presentation if you if rusev wins that match against john cena wrestlemania 31 like i, do, I just really do believe everything's different yeah. Gets beaten by John Cena in that match. I think he then loses either the next two matches or maybe gets a. Four. No, they've already had one match, didn't they? Yeah, which he yeah, won. Think, yeah, so then John Cena wins the third match and it's like, yeah, what's the point? It's just it's nothing by the end of that. That was during the we every person has to have a minimum of three matches in their feud, doesn't it? Yeah, and people, to, to even out, it was so the the booking at that time was so predictable, wasn't it? So we we've we've lost our man for the moment, so we're going to carry on. After this, we get all the stuff with Triple H, Kurt Angle, Stephanie, oh. and Ron Rousey. Before that, we get the commentators doing a bit of a advert or a, a comment on the Kid Rock song, which they they have as running through the show. And I can't remember if I've ever seen this before. I think I probably have this this WrestleMania, but I don't remember it very well. Yet I know the song incredibly well. And have they used it again? Yeah. I think it's WrestleMania 30. I think it's from WrestleMania 30. Oh, right. Okay. Because I was just like, oh, how the fuck do I know this song so well? Yeah, I, I think, know. I mean, I'm just going to check. But I thought that when I was when I was watching it, I was like, this is, they've just used the same music from WrestleMania 30, I think. Yeah. Well, because um, obviously that's in New Orleans as well. And nothing quite says New Orleans like a really generic middle of the road kid rock song. Hey, celebrate. That's hey. the, uh. That's the, that's the message from that I got from the song, Celebrate. Yeah, uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, as we'll find out later, I'm sure. So after all the Triple H, Stephanie stuff, uh, and Rousey stuff, we get the New Day come out with a bunch of little people dressed as pancakes, carrying pancakes, and they throw pancakes out to the crowd. Yeah, I was a bit like, we still do, we still doing little people dressed up? Is that is that what we're doing? We're still we're still doing that in 2018. Like look at look at these little people for our entertainment. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's a little bit weird, isn't it? Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I guess they could probably go away with it on the strength of the fact that the New Day are just generally ridiculous and do dress up themselves ridiculously most of yeah. the time. So. I mean, if we, I'd, I'd be, I really would love to hear from if we got any little listeners. Hang on, that sounded really patronising, doesn't it? I don't know if anybody who is who is of, of oh god, I'm fucking burying myself, digging myself into a hole now. And if we have any little people who are listeners, please be in, get in contact with us. I'd love to know if that's something that's acceptable. So, so I've got some get... ideas for my 40th birthday party that I need to run by <laughs> someone. <laughs> uh, I just suddenly spring into mind is the Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm oh, uh, god. seriously worried. I, I remember, I remember, remember being on um, our friend Mark Stag, and they were like, um, they were like, walked past like one of those like cretinous kind of PR people in a pub in Magaluf, and him saying to us like, "Yeah, mate, you you want you have a stag weekend? We can get some. We can get we can get like a you know we can get a stripper, but it's actually a man, and then we'll have like a midget jump on him." Those were his words, not mine. And I was like, "This sounds horrendous." We're like, yeah, we'll chain him to him and he can walk around with him all night. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that's not what I want to do at my 40th, by the way. But it was one of those things where I was like, oh my God, what the fuck's wrong with these people? It sounds like you're basically trying to get us to torture one of our friends and have people attack him and electrocute him all night. Very weird. And if I could watch it happen to anyone, it would be Mark. So, <laughs> so then we get next up the SmackDown tag team title triple threat match. It's between the Usos, who are the champions, the New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers. That is Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, minus Bray Wyatt. The end comes when we have double powerbomb yeah. from the top by the Bludgeons on Kofi for the victory. So the Bludgeon Brothers become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Yeah, I. so this match is quite short, I think. It's, it's not very long at all. And what it kind of showcases is effectively the, the Bludgeon Brothers are like an indestructible force that are to be that you're to be terrified of and if they're doing anything they do a reasonably good job at showing the bludgeon brothers as being absolute killers and dare i say bludgeoning people but the, the, the there's a couple of things i did i did think about going into it they're like there's a bit where they buckle bomb Zab, what can I, what's his name xavier woods I, I was tiger woods and then i was like javier woods and i was like that's not his name <laughs> xavier woods they buck they buckle bomb him into the ring post on the outside and he's selling it and i'm like i don't think he's actually selling that because he looks like he's in absolute agony after that because it looked so painful i've forgotten how entertaining big e is because like it's when he gets into the ring it just starts like swimming <laughs> on the mat <laughs> then just making weird faces and all these really weird gyrations that he makes i was like oh go on biggie i i hope he's i hope he's all right i hope his neck's okay and the usos i think are kind of Oh, they're not tribal Usos anymore, are they? They're they're like Uso penitentiary, and you can see you're there like, yeah, I like this. This this suits them so much better than any other incarnation we've seen of them so far. And we obviously know what they go on to become. I thought I thought this match was pretty good. They make do a decent job of making the the Bludgeon Brothers look pretty indestructible, and the power bomb off the turnbuckle to Kofi looks like it nearly murders him. And yeah, not a bad match, not loads of structure, but it was fast paced and short enough to be reasonably entertaining, I thought. An old man is back. I am back. Apologies for that. I had to take a phone call from one of my sisters. Right. Uh, where, where one of my parents' dogs is in the vet. Oh. Uh, really quite poorly. But anyway, enough about that. So this tag match, there's fucking, what was it, like five and a half minutes? Boy. Yeah, like they jam pack this five and a half minutes, don't they? They get all of it in. Loads of power moves. Loads of fast-paced shit. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable stuff. And it's basically a, th- a filler match. What more can you ask? It gets you from A to B. 
whatever that means in the context of a wrestling show. But it bloody does it, and I had a great time. And yeah, and then that was it, really. Just had a lovely old time. A to B in the context of this match is the Usos being champions to the Bludgeon Brothers being champions. Mm. Uh, I didn't I didn't like this very much. I found this a bit, I just found it a bit nonsense. To be honest, I didn't really, nothing really stood out to me at all about it. I just found it kind of like, oh, this is happening. I just felt that the Usos and the New Day in general, or even the Bludgeon Brothers, deserved a little bit more than just being thrown out there to do nothing, really. Fine for what it was, but I, you know, I, just, nobody cared either. The fans were just not into it, which, to be honest, is understandable. They just had the whole angle, Stephanie, Triple H, Ronda Rousey stuff. Not for me, this, but it can all be great. We then get the highlights of the 2018 Hall of Fame induction ceremony. The class of 2018 are Mark Henry, Hillbilly Jim, Ivory, Jeff Jarrett, Darius J.J. Robertson, who is the Warrior Award winner, the Dudley Boys, Hit Rock, and Bill Goldberg. The inductees are then introduced to the live crowd. You both like Darius J.J. Robertson, I hear. Charisma on that kid. There have been subsequently some issues with Darius J.J. Robertson. To be honest, not him. He hasn't been the issue, but his father has. So Darius J.J. is not that bad. Darius J.J. Robertson is 18 now. He's actually apparently only like 14 or something when this happened, or 13. So obviously the condition that he's got causes him to not to look quite a lot younger than he actually mm. is. They set up a charity to raise awareness about the condition he's got, but his father basically siphoned off nearly all the money. Oh, so, Captain Tom syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Was he doing laps yeah. in the garden? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Darius JJ. So yeah, apparently um, Darius JJ Robinson has publicly apologised for his father's stuff, but he's gone to prison for eight years apparently as a consequence. Really? Yeah. Oh, scumbag. You know what? Right, genuinely now, Captain Tom, I hope his fucking daughter goes to prison and her and her horrible husband, horrible yeah. bastards. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Totally Burn them. Can we say that this first like rest in peace, Captain Tom, and. <laughs> Um, can we say this is a mixed bag, this Hall of Fame class? Because no, 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 we can say it's a bag of dicks. Apart well, from Mark, Mark Hen- Henry, yeah, Mark Henry and and, uh, and the I kid agree. and the kid who dances. I mean, forget his dad. His dad's a scumbag, and I'm glad he's in jail. But um, the rest of it's not good. And Goldberg's suit is absolutely vile. Is it made up some kind of reptile? Why is it shiny? It's horrible, horrible stuff. I expected a good, solid plain hmm. polyester suit from, although I guess it was polyester <laughs> he'd got up in flames when he came out of the ramp wouldn't he so that's probably Bret Hart is just there in the background smiling <laughs> yeah. uh, just think bre- breaking all the fire extinguishers <laughs> he's got he's got a fucking shooter on it <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to connect. I'm going to connect up a couple of things here. So in the uh, advert for the WWE Network, they talk about something to something else to wrestle with, but with mm. Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. Mm. Do you think that Jeff Jarrett got in the Hall of Fame because Bruce Pritchard used to sing with My Baby Tonight on his podcast every week? Yes. Yeah. Absolute madness. Anyway, I mean, given the overall standard of Hall of Famer that WWE have had. Even I, as someone who's always been a perennial, Jeff Jarrett is nowhere near as big a star as he thinks he is, or a lot of people think he is. I think he does. He 
deserves a place in the Hall of Fame when you compare the other people who've got it. I think he's a decent shout to be in there. Do you think that he's more deserving than Coco Beware? It's a difficult one because Coco Beware, <clears throat> because I think both of them are deserving in, so, in some respects for what they did outside of WWE. Like, even if you accept mm. Jeff Jarrett isn't a great wrestler and isn't a big star, he did, in fairness, start up what was for 10 years the second biggest company in North America. That's probably worthy of Hall of Fame, maybe? I don't know. Maybe I'm mm. maybe I'm being a little bit kind to him. But Goko Beware had a decent run in, in Mid-South. He was a pretty big star in Mid-South. No, not like a first ballot or a real shoe in but like except them being all he was he was in uh he's one of the rare superstars who was in rock and wrestling wasn't he the cartoon i think he was in that i think he was on no, the no, never seen it. can we talk about another wrestler who was definitely on the rock and wrestling thing was old hillbilly jim and how he still somehow looks exactly the same as he did in 1984 yeah. bizarre mm. i mean he looked i mean he, again he's a guy who looked old very old at a young age, <laughs> you know, he didn't have to buy, he didn't have to have to ID for beers from about four, I reckon. <laughs> I, I would say, think he'll, would, Hillbilly Jim is just this lovely, smiley man. I would say, in general, that whilst this isn't the, the greatest Hall of Fame class at all or anything like that, I don't have a real problem with who's in, who's in here, to be honest, apart from Kid Rock. Mm. Yeah, he looks very uh, weaselly, he, very, very much like a weasel, a little, little ratty little weasel. Don't they? Kid Rock. Hang on, a, a ratty weasel. They're two different things, mate. The worst kind, mate. No, I think I think you can Ugh. be ratty without being a rat mm. as well. So he's a ratty little weasel. What? Just like Baratti? Yeah, yeah, the way rats are in the midfield. So the next thing we get is a hype video. Daniel Bryan announced as having been cleared to return to in-ring action. Footage of Bryan's WWE history. Jane telling Bryan that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will betray him and reminds him of the things they have done over the last year. Apparently, Brian is kind of their friend almost as the general manager of SmackDown. Don't really, didn't really, didn't give a lot of context for how they would betray him when they're on separate sides of the aisle, but there we go. They then show an attack on Shane Man on SmackDown by Owens and Zayn, and then there were reports of Shane suffering from diverticulitis as a result of the attack. Brian confronting Zane and Owens and firing them, at which point they attack Brian. Brian then challenging Owens and Zane for a tag match at WrestleMania. If Owens and Zane win, they'll be reinstated to SmackDown. This is followed by that tag team match, 15 and a half minutes. Zane McMahon and Daniel Bryan defeat Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn when Brian loads with kicks on Sami Zayn and fans chant yes, then he is the yes lock and Zane taps. Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are three of my favourite wrestlers of this this era. Why are you fucking ruining it by putting that fucking country McMahon in the match? Just it just annoyed me. It just immediately got my back up. The pretty much footage shows Daniel Bryan getting powerbombed on the apron. I was like, oh really? He'd just come back from like a neck injury. Like, why are you doing that? It's daft. And I feel like this is a kind of indicative. And I know you've got a problem with him, with his moveset that, that, that Brian's done, Tinky, haven't you? Like, since since he's come back, particularly, they still kind of does the stuff that would probably make that kind of injury or make that kind of injury return. But it did, what I did think about showing in the video footage is the footage of people doing the yes movement in various places. And it took me back to that bar in Amsterdam where we had the whole bar doing the yes chants and what a glorious moment that was. <laughs> and it just it's was stunning. absolutely tremendous. And it made me, it, I've, I've seen Daniel Bryan a couple of times over the last like, few months, Daniel Bryan specifically in, in WWF. I'm like, God, I miss him so much. 
I really do because I think Brian Danielson's a fucking cunt. It does my head in the way he's used in 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 AEW and like just like the yes movement is just such like the yes thing. It's just the yes chant. It's so joyous. It's such a fun thing to be a part of. And the fact that that character is gone, it's just a little bit disappointing. I quite like the, the, the fact that they're by by a storyline accounts, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn aren't well are bad guys and they're effectively fighting for their jobs. So I quite like the fact that they they don't really get an entrance. They just come in and attack. Um, both Shane and, and Daniel Bryan straight away and focus, really focus on Daniel Bryan and he's barely in the match at all which basically means that the majority of the match is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beating up Shane McMahon which whilst being quite boring is also quite satisfying as well so it's a bit of a weird dichotomy like that but I do I do really like Kevin Owens uh, uh, Kevin Zowens trash talk they're just one of them just keeps going money 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 to him which made me laugh and they keep saying money can't save you now rich boy but the crowd is pretty fucking dead through most of this entire match until brian comes in and makes a save yeah the match isn't great but we did get to see shame and get the shit kicked out of him for most of it so it's not all bad not all bad but it wasn't as good as it could have been and considering this is you know daniel bryan's first match back i was hope i would have especially at the time hoped for something a bit more epic than this so the angle is effectively what you've just said, Tom, which is the resurrection of Daniel Bryan. That's basically what this is. And I despise the fact that... So I need to prefix this with Shane Man may very well have had diverticulitis. Terrible. Poor, poor lad. Poor lad. If he did. <clears throat> I hate the fact that they included it. I hate it. Because what you had is you had Daniel Bryan, who by this point had admitted lying to WWE doctors and officials about the seriousness of his concussions. And you had this thing where Shane McMahon was effectively coming back like three weeks after having an operation for diverticulitis, and he has to take all of the punishment in the match. I mean, Shane McMahon should be nowhere near this match anyway. Like, that's not... But that's not on him. He's already there. But it just made no sense to me, to be honest, and it kind of like irked me because it felt quite irresponsible as a setup where you've got like this guy and kind of to your point, Tom, like this is a guy who we know has had serious injury head injuries and as a result neck injuries. And he's been power bombed on an apron twice within like I think a month. Like whilst I do understand that you want it to be, oh he's back, he's not gonna hold back and stuff like that. It just seems very stupid, to be honest. It just seems all very silly. And that's kind of away from the match. I thought the match was absolute crap, to be honest. And to your point, Tom, what a fucking waste of three of these guys this is. Just an absolutely horrendous waste of three guys that could, like any combination of those three, could have had a one-on-one match and had a lovely old time. I just didn't think this was very good. I enjoyed the pop for Daniel Bryan because I thought it was quite nice. But just didn't hit for me, unfortunately. And I put that down to all of them. Scum. I put it entirely down to Shane McMahon and the fact that first thing that happens in the match is Zayn and Owens effectively take Brian out for the first 10 minutes of it. Mm. Which means we're left with either Zayn or Owens against McMahon for a length of time. And that was the weakest possible part of the match so you, yeah. it's, so you can you know what you want is the opposite you want brian to be in the ring pretty much the entire match it's okay but it, it could have been so much more given that brian zane and owens are in it and zane and owens i think owens in particular is doing some absolutely phenomenal heel work in the build and during the match he looks so angry and 
such rage in him and such anger in him. I just thought he was excellent. I thought he's so dislikable. And yeah, and Brian obviously coming back is a massive thing. The cynic in me says that there's interesting that he'd be cleared to work again the minute they're going back to New Orleans in Wrestle uh, for WrestleMania. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's quite um a lucky timing, isn't it? That is, but. You know, I, I don't know. The whole thing's a bit murky, a bit odd, as far as I'm concerned. From both sides, obviously, Danielson himself lying about what, what was going on with his concussions. But there, there always seemed to be, in my view, something else going on in that whole injury situation that mm. we were aware of. I seem to remember reading an interview with, with Daniel Bryan or something like that a while ago, where he apparently had said that other doctors had cleared him, but there was one specific one that that is under the WWF payroll that, that wouldn't. And apparently Vince Mann's like always really, really worried about him or something like that. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but it wouldn't surprise me if he'd been cleared for a long time before. But they were like, like you said, the cynical side were like, well, back in New Orleans, this fine we'll we'll let him go now then we need someone to team up with Shane don't we (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly look back at it now and as much as it it, it, I found it incredibly sad and disappointing to see him have to retire after WrestleMania 30 let alone the following year again to come back for like a month as much as I feel that way I kind of now wish he'd never had come back because I just don't want him to end up in a way in in First of all, I don't want him to end up crippling himself or doing some of the ends with some serious damage long term. And also, it sounds awful, but there is wrestling's got a history of this. God forbid something tragic happens. Mm. You, you fear the worst when you've got someone who has a history of quite serious injuries, especially concussion injuries, going in back into the ring. And now it's been, what, five years? being back in the ring and he's not changed his style he's not kind of protecting himself as much as he, he may be doing some moves a little bit less i mean you see it in this match actually does the in the corner he does the sort of kick in the corner but he holds onto the rope yeah. as he falls down mm. to stop him landing on the back of his head which is lovely but he's still not toned it down enough in my view to ward off any concerns i've got of something happening that's really not a good thing but it just seems extraordinarily selfish this is the thing that kind of bother me with it all even when he came back so he will at this point he will have had more than enough money to not have to do this anymore to his body by this point he's got one kid he's got two kids now i think like why are you why like why but it's the same thing and it is a different situation like i think i might have had this conversation with one or both of you about john moxley and the stuff that he does in the rain is that stuff that i can understand when you've got a family like i just don't when you've got a family and you've got enough money to not need to do it, it just all seems very strange. So I think the whole angle of this match just really didn't sit right with me. It was almost like they were championing the fact that you can overcome these injuries. But this isn't like a footballer coming back from an ACL injury. This is a guy coming back because he kept collapsing because he'd have multiple concussions on concussions on concussions. And this is a time where it's all, I think, from memory, either just come out or just about to come out about all the stuff with the NFL. Like, the lawsuits are happening at this point. I just found it a real waste. And then they compound it by having a Don't Try This At Home video directly after the match. I'm like, come on, lads. I think it's after the concussion stuff, because I seem to remember even when Brian first got injured, there was so much talk around concussions mm. at the time it was like such a big it was already a really big thing yeah with old christopher nowinski yeah then jojo announces the attendance of seventy-eight thousand one hundred thirty-three. this is followed by the fireworks display very <laughs> impressive fireworks enjoyed that apparently as well the crowd that you uh 
announced then are celebrating WrestleMania. Hmm. Which I didn't really understand. No, celebrating it. Celebrating life. Come on, England. Then we get a hype video. Alexa Bliss winning the Raw Women's title. Bliss and Nia Jax forming a partnership slash friendship, helping Bliss to keep her title. Bliss secretly telling Mickey James backstage that she uses Jack and manipulates her and says she's just as dumb as she is big. Jack's seeing it and going mad. Somehow there was a camera on. I think they were preparing for an interview with Jojo. Bliss apologizing for what she said, then says she apologizes that she didn't say it sooner. Then Angle booking the pair in a match WrestleMania. Jack saying at WrestleMania she's going to squash her like a bug. This is all ahead of Nijax versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title. Blake Bliss is the champion going in, but she loses the belt here when Jack hits a, an Alabama slam and then hits a Samoan drop from the second rope mm. to win the title. After the match, Jax hugs the Rock's mum and the Rock's daughter who are at ringside and are part of her fam, extended family. Oh, man. Uh, how long is this match, Tinky? Ten minutes. How long should it have been, Tinky? I'm not going to answer that because I actually think this is fine. So I'm, well, I'm happy so, with it. So I have I have issue with the whole angle because the minute you go down that, like the angle like she's large is just horrendous, just unnecessary because you could, if you're a heel, you can exploit someone for your own gain. That's absolutely fine. And they kind of did a good job of that. And then they talk about her weight. And it was like, well, that's just right, really. They, it is necessary given the story they're telling. They could just be like, she's done. Yeah. The way through. yeah and the minute they did they went there with the size it had to just be a complete squash like when they when Nia Jax comes down in Alex Bliss and Mickey James comes down with Alex Bliss Nia Jax immediately eliminates Mickey James which I thought was wonderful and then Alexa Bliss runs up behind Nia Jax and hits her a couple of times I think on the back Jax completely no sells it which is lovely and then there's a Nia Jax kind of dominates in the ring it's kind of thrown around then there's an eye rake by blish 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 <laughs> Alexa blish. Blish. <laughs> i should have known you piece of shit <laughs> but yeah and then alexa bliss takes control of the match and i was like what like come on just give her the bloody give her the beating that she deserves she can come back and she can repent for her sins in a few weeks and it just really didn't hit. And the annoying thing is, Tiki, I'm kind of with you. I think this is actually a pretty decent match because I think a rock star said that Nia Jax is absolute shite in the WrestleMania 33 episode. I don't think he's right. I just don't think they ever knew how to use her. And they get it right here. But because of the angle, I just feel like it doesn't work at all. And they also describe it at the end as a feel-good moment for Nia Jax, undoubtedly is. But they put over Bliss as a fighting champion. And I was like, you're just, you've just got this wrong. You've just pitched it wrong. But I suppose the minute you have one mention of her size, you have to roll with it. And yeah, I just feel like they let themselves down a bit. But the two performers did not let themselves down because they put on a cracking little match. It was just the whole angle that kind of made it unsavory for me. A bit like sugar. I, I mean, I, I I think actually, you know, not sure about the match. I not, don't really mind that it wasn't short, like you've just said, but I think that I hadn't, 
some reason I, I'd let them pass. I'd, I'd give them a pass for the, hmm. for the angle beforehand. Then just thinking about it, I was like, actually, they wouldn't do this with the men, and no. therefore they shouldn't do it with the women either. Yeah. And that's the problem. And and you're right. They could have just had it so that Bliss manipulated her and and taken advantage of the fact that she was really helpful in keeping the title. That, that would have that would have been fine. I love the idea of them kind of doing it the inverse with the men, where it's like someone who's like a bit of a munter, and he's like, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but fucking look how handsome Finn Balor is. I've been manipulating him the entire time, <laughs> making it a really insecure heel. You see, yeah, that that I'd like. I yeah, I didn't like, I didn't like it the the video package. I didn't like the storyline. I thought it was a um, I thought it was mean spirited. <laughs> again, it's me heels, me not liking heels again. I suppose. <laughs> But the, what you say, old man, about them only being able to come out with one winner is is right. But we need to think about the product that we're watching again, and that doesn't always happen. So I was watching throughout this match, and that gave me a real fear that Nia Jax wasn't going to win. So I was like, first start, we'll look back. No, the obvious example was Triple H and Booker T, isn't it? Like, there's no way that Triple H should have won that match. And you still think to yourself, like, they've st- still got it in them to... Did be deliver a really horrible outcome to a really yeah. horrible angle. Think about, I've even think about like the Piggy James stuff and all that. You know that shit with 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 all yeah, not enough for me. Whatever fucking. Oh, no! But what I did love, I I actually quite enjoyed the match because I had that little bit of maybe narrative that I gave myself going into the match. I think they both work really well. I think that the, I like really like the start, as you said, old man, with with uh, Nia Jax battering Mickey James is a rare a rare sighting of a babyface being smart in WWE, which you don't get very often. And I didn't mind it when Alexa Bliss kind of got the advantage after eye raking her because she is a wrestler, unlike Stephanie McMahon. So that was why again I was like, you know what, it would make sense that she'd be able to take advantage of that situation. But yeah, I was just really glad, really glad that Nia Jax won at the end. It's a shame because they both work really hard, but the Cried out really into it at all, but that Samoa drop off the second rope was great, and yeah, I thought I thought it was good. And to be fair, at the end of the match, Nijak gets a pretty decent crowd reaction when when the pin four hits three. So all in all, I thought this was decent. When I'm doing these WrestleMania shows now, I have the cage match page up, and it's got reviews of the show underneath. And the review, reviews of this match are really poor, and I'm like, this it's nowhere near as bad as the people are making out on this um in these reviews. It's fine. It's a, it's perfectly fine. They tell a good story. They've built it. They've at least given it a good build. You know, even if you don't like the build, it's mm. been given time to be built on the on the shows. It doesn't make a lot of sense that Mickey James has decided to join Alexa Bliss, given what Bliss has said behind Jax's back about the help she's been getting from Jax. Why would you then trust the woman that, that did that? But whatever the case, I think you're right. Towards the end of the match, the crowd do get into a little bit. The Alabama slam and the Samoan drop, and um, she gets the pin, and they kind of pop for it. And I, yeah, I thought this was pretty well executed. The the match itself, I thought was pretty decent. Not amazing, not not great or anything, but it was it was better, I, I think, than I thought it was going to be. But quite away, they do a really really good job, both Jax and Bliss, I think, of making it believable as well. Because Nia Jax is basically ragdolling Alexa Bliss around, and as much as I think it should have been a complete squash given the build, the fact that they managed to get, they managed to get me invested as well. And I was like, oh, this is actually, I need to believe Now Jax is very short lady, very slight lady as well, but Alexa she's obviously Bliss. tough. Yeah, Alexa Bliss, yeah. What did I say? No, Jax. Oh, I've lost me mind, lads. Anyway, Wendy Richter said to me one time, girls just want to have fun. And that's all I wanted from this match, lads. 
So it proved. So then they get the AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura stuff, which we've talked about. Then Michael Cole talks about the kickoff show with Matt Hardy winning the Andre the Giant Power Royal with the help of Bray Wyatt. It's pathetic, isn't it? It's really, really shit. Considering that his two minions are winning a championship match uh, later on in the show. The fact that Bray Wyatt is there and they're all wearing like, they're two vessels or whatever the fuck that means. Like, I was just like, oh, that's crap, waste of Bray Wyatt. And I think I'm wrong, I'm not the biggest Bray Wyatt fan ever, but you know, how far we done fallen, to quote Bunk from The Wire. And Cedric Alexander also wins the Cruiserweight title on the kickoff show, as well as Naomi winning the first ever women's WrestleMania Battle Royal, which, of course, they originally were going to call the fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal, but thought better of it once people alerted them to the uh, history that she potentially had. They they knew about her history. I'm, I'm sure they did, but when other people, yeah, they, they, they were aware of it as well. They changed the course. Um, we then get the bar coming out with the whole parade, like a Mardi Gras parade type thing. Their defense of the Raw Tag Team titles against Braun Strowman and a mystery heart. It's going to be interesting, this one. Um, as Strowman comes to the ring, he scares the Mardi Gras characters away. They run away in fear down the, down the aisle. Strowman then sends the Mardi Gras float off the stage, destroying it in the process. Braun Strowman gets in the ring and he takes the mic. When he gets to the ring, he says he's... He knows everyone wants to know who his partner is. He says it's not one person in the rock room. It's one of the crowd. And then he asks who wants to be his partner. Roman looks out to the crowd and walks around ringside, walks into the crowd and eventually picks a child to join him in the match. He tells the crowd that his name is Nicholas. Nicholas stands in the corner while Strowman fights Cesaro and Sheamus. Nicholas, it should be noted at this point, is the son of John Cone, Mm. who is the referee in the match for this particular uh, Mm. contest. And Braun Strowman, Nicholas, win. Braun Strowman uh, hitting a power slam on Cesaro and pinning him. This is undoubtedly going to be something that the purists and, and a lot of wrestling fans disliked. I... I had a smile on my face the entire time throughout this four minute match and the and the entrances. I agree one hundred percent. I loved the Mardi Gras floats for the bar. I loved that the characters run off and they run towards the camera and they're yeah. all scared. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. fucking love that. I love the fact that when Strowman is walking through the crowd, I noticed no way Jose working his security. Yes, yes. Yeah. I thought, oh, for a second, I thought it was the guy who plays Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton, but it's not. It is, in fact, No Way Jose. I'm glad you said who that was. Put a name to that face, old man, because I'd been, mm. well, I'm not going to lie, it bothered me for about 10 seconds and I forgot about it until that exact moment, but it That's did cross my mind. That's the thing, that these things start bothering you for 10 seconds, and then suddenly it's 12, 15. Suddenly, that's your whole life. Yeah. Just wondering if it was No Way Jose or someone I don't know. I thought this was fucking cracking stuff. And the tag to Nicholas is fantastic. It is the biggest pop of the night, I think. It's absolutely brilliant. I thought Nicholas, I know he's a referee's son, but all things considered, he is absolutely brilliant in this as well. And it's just a really nice way to pass what was probably 10, 12 minutes in total. I think no harm done to the bar. They were having really, really good matches at this time. They then, I think they win the belts back. No, they win them. They win the belts off the Hardys, I think. They have a little series of matches with the Hardys that are really good. And uh, yeah, just good fun, isn't it? And to uh, to add to this, I just realised that this is three 
of Bray Wyatt's former cronies winning championships on this WrestleMania mm-hmm. when he's coming out to effectively fillet Matt Hardy. Fillet! 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is a good that phase where Braun Strowman is just pushing stuff over all the time, isn't he? He, did, yeah. he basically had him doing there and pulling down the Titantron there and then flipping over a truck. I think he, I don't know what else did, maybe, maybe span a caravan on his finger. I don't know. He did all sorts, all sorts of things. The only thing that I would criticize about this, I found the bit where he was going through the crowd to go on forever. It went on for a bit longer. But other than that, it's nice. Lovely, lovely to be, lovely moment for John Cone and Nicholas Cone. There was a part of me that thought, like, it'd be really funny if Braun tagged in Nicholas and the Bards battered him. But that probably <laughs> says more about me than anyone else. Older uh, Braun Strowman's top's a bit weird, and he has a little nip slip at the end when he's celebrating, which uh, was a bit of a weird, weird, weird moment to be seen as well. But yeah, it, it's fine. This, this, the reason for this is because to do a bit of filler to, to bring you down before the main event, isn't it? And and it was it was absolutely fine. I did on a note on the bar though. I got a lot of time for uh, Cesaro when he's in a tag team because he always seems to go all in. Like it, it, it kind of when he was with like Tyson. Kid, they always wore matching jackets and had the headphones and all that sort of stuff. And when when they joined, the, when they created the bar, they were just like thrown together and they had like the kilts and the matching jackets and the the joint entrance and stuff like that. I think I think, and they're they're quite a fun tag team. And I think Sheamus does similar because he's obviously done a bit similar with like the brawling brutes and stuff like that. Like two people who are just pretty decent. You know, glad to have glad to have their moment in the sun, even though they lose to a child. But but it, yeah, I just wanted to a bit of a shout out to Cesaro and Sheamus because I like I like this incarnation of them both. They're just two guys that, even given relatively little, usually make something out of it. Yeah, you know that that that's that's what I I think is worth saying about them. I mean, I, I thought that Justin that they some criticism as well of Nicholas, obviously being John Cone's son, like. It could have been anybody. It could have been any kid. It had to be one of the employers or employees, sorry, kids. But, you know, I guess he'd been with them. He'd been with the company since 2006. So it's over 10 years by this point. I think, you know, he probably is away from his family a lot with WWE. So I think this was a nice moment. Do, do they people realize it's a work? <laughs> it's going to grab yeah. some. Well, I guess they could. I guess they could. They could. The point is, he doesn't do anything, does he? He, he gets tagged in and then tags quickly out. Yeah, but surely they've got to go over some kind of liability and shit like that. They're not going to have to yeah. pull some random kid up. These, pe- these people are nerds who are going off on about that. But I don't have those those issues. The only other issue that you could potentially bring up about this is the sacrifice, I guess, of Seamus and Cesaro here. But I think given where they were and given that they had, they were trying to make Ron Sherman a major player, like a proper mm. main event guy. And I, th- I think, yes, they didn't work in the end. And I think... In that pursuit, it's absolutely worth it. Like, it's totally yeah. worth it. You're trying to make, make a star, you're trying to make a main event star. I'm not really bothered if you have to bury a couple of people that perhaps don't deserve it on the way because you're in you're in pursuit of a bigger goal, which is to make money with a major star. The thing is, yeah. what, they'll, what they'll do, they won't. They just won't mention it again. You know what I mean? With the yeah. you know, forgotten, they just won't mention They'll mention it in terms of positivity for Braun Strowman. They just won't mention it again with the bar. It's absolutely fine. Then we get an advert for WrestleMania 35 in New York City, which we will be covering in two weeks' Wait, time. Just a quick correction, it's not in New York. It's in New Jersey. Well, that's what they, they said it was in New York City. That was the It's not fucking difficult, is it? WWE? It's not in fucking Jamaica, is it? Please, <laughs> well, fucking me. So I'm looking, really looking forward to the, the WWE show in uh, Brisbane next year. They're advertising in Perth. That's rubbish. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Um, 
then yeah. <laughs> when we get a there's a there's a match graphic then for Reigns and Lesnar, which is the main event, and Michael Cole is talking up the match and goes, "We're about to see two of the prime time players," and I was like, "You don't want to say that, man. <laughs> the prime time players were." <laughs> <laughs> then we get the hype video. Lesnar beating Goldberg at WrestleMania 33 and winning the Universal title in the process. Reigns winning the Elimination Chamber in February. Reigns calling Brock Vince's boy and Reigns saying he's sick of it. Reigns confronting Vince at the gorilla position and then Vince suspending him. Reigns turning up on Raw and getting handcuffed by U.S. Marshals. I think they're U.S. Marshals anyway. But Lesnar coming out and attacking him whilst his hands were crossed. Eamon then saying Reigns isn't man enough to take the title or another beating from Brock. Reigns then coming out to face him and getting beaten down again. Reigns confronting Lesnar again after a group of WWE superstars who originally looked like they're going to stop him and then make way for him because Reigns kind of appeals to them because Lesnar's the part-timer and he's the he's standing up for the locker room. And then Reigns getting beaten up again. This was the build to the match. I that, thought this was shit. Yeah. I thought this was shit. I thought this was really badly done. Um, I mean, the story they were telling, let's forget that for a minute. The execution of the story they were telling was awful. Like, as yeah. I said, three separate rules, every single one, Rangers gets beaten up and Brock Lesnar. It's what happens. Yeah. Well, it's also not only that, but it just makes Roman Reigns. So, what they, I think they're trying to do is they're trying to get the people on the side of Roman Reigns by him complaining about the fact that a part-timer has got the belt. But because Roman Reigns in this role as a babyface is so inherently unlikable and crap that it just comes across like he's a moaning child. Also, how you know, the people who don't like Reigns don't like him for precisely the reason why Reigns doesn't... Yeah. Because he's like, oh, he's Vince's boy. That's why everyone hates Reigns, is because he's Vince's boy. Yeah. That's exactly it's, why. So he's never going to work. It's it's just shit. It's a really, really, really badly done. And I was, I mean, usually, like, I think, like, even if they're not into the matches of characters, usually they, the video package, most of the time, can make you kind of forget some of that. But this just amplified it multiple times. But also, you've got this whole, like, oh, let's do a, uh, Listeners are part-timer, and it's like, yeah, that's the attraction for that crowd. The crowd are excited because he's a part-timer, but he's there. He's in Oregon or wherever they were. Was it Perth, Tom? <laughs> yeah, they that's Perth. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, I ain't Brisbane, mate. <laughs> Before the match, there's a lovely sign in the crowd. I don't yeah. even like Times New Roman. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. I heard that written down. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> And then the match, uh, just nearly 16-minute match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for the Universal title, which is won by Brock Lesnar after he hits his F5 for the match and gets the pin. After the match, doctors attend Reigns, who's got a big cut on his head. They then do the WrestleMania highlight package that they do every single year. Mm-hmm. At this point, I almost turned off, but then I looked at the thing. I was like, there's seven minutes yeah. left of the show. I'll just leave it on, go and do something else and come back to it. Not that anything exciting happens afterwards, but they after the match after the highlights package is run, they play Roman's music as he gingerly makes his way backstage, selling the injuries of the match with no commentary, not even sad Jerry Lawler commentary. And, and no one cares. <laughs> yeah, well, no. people have left. A lot of people have left by this point. Yeah. So. so incredible heat on Reigns. Crowd don't like him, love the old job. Beanie Brock, a yeah. great Brock Lesnar, this is. Yeah, uh, a great Brock Lesnar. So... I have written down a little run-through of what happens in this match. 
or at least stuff I know it down. So included in this are, this is the sequence of moves that I've written down. Three German suplexes, three Superman punches, three F5 kickouts. Uh, boring chance. I'd go a bit dull for a champ, and the impact isn't the same. F5 through a table. German suplex and F5, both for two counts. Crowd not fans of this. This is awful chance. Hardway shots by a now gloveless Brock. Up for an F5. Reverse rate it's two spears. A new move. New move. Two spears for a two count. Each of them. F5 after spear attempt for the win. Crowd cheer on the three. I wrote, not particularly good, especially at the end of a five-hour show. It's Kent is clearly to get sympathy on range, but it goes down like a fart in a lift. It's definitely not WrestleMania 31, and that's being kind. I thought this was fucking awful. And it goes back to what you two have just talked about with the video. The whole conceit is that if we fucking bludgeon, not with the brothers, but just with Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, then the crowd will eventually come round. They fucking ate the cunt. He's too handsome. He's too handsome. He's too sexy. His wife's too beautiful. They don't give a fuck about him. He's got a lovely young family. They hate him. They hate the cunt. And it's terrible. Oh, it's awful. Like, the whole booking of this match, whoever put it together deserves a fucking slap in the head because, oh, awful. I don't know, 16 minutes. Should have probably cut it in half if they're going to do what they did. I thought it was really, really awful. They relied on Lesnar's glove taking off again. They relied on the hard ways again, which is what happened with Randy Orton at SummerSlam the previous year. But he did it with the elbows. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Roman Reigns looks lost in this match as well. I don't think even he... Lesnar does not believe what he's doing either. You can tell that. And there's the infamous clip of him walking through Gorilla at the end of the match. And he lobs the title out of Vince. And Vince goes, asshole, as he walks through. This is fucking terrible. Not necessarily in terms of quality. Because what they what they do, what they actually do, they do well. They do as well as you possibly can. But the whole like layout of the match is just completely wrong. I think this is up there with the very worst main events in terms of what they're trying to accomplish, which is completely impossible with the way that they lay it out. Absolute dog dirt. Fuck off. Yeah, I almost entirely agree with everything old man said. Then I thought this was awful. And I'll be honest, I was absolutely shocked at the reception that Brock, uh, that Roman Reigns gets when he comes down. And the the boos towards him were just it is it's, it felt almost a bit uncomfortable watching it considering that he's supposed to be the babyface it was it was really bad really bad and they they do recycle some of the same spots they redo the the ring post spot from the WrestleMania 31 match that they that, that the one that Brock gets like bleeds on in that in that match it obviously doesn't bleed in this one the amount of f5s that roman rooms kicks out of is so unrealistic that you can hear the crowd getting annoyed when he kicks out because they just want it to be over i think the thing that's so bad about this match as well is almost it made me think of the aj styles and nakamura match in that they don't know who to who they want to win because Brock Lesnar's the heel, and they don't really want him to win. But they also hate Roman Reigns at the same time. So there's this weird kind of atmosphere in the match where I think the crowd just want the match to be over. 
And I don't really blame them because it's at the end of a really, really long show in a match with one person who is hardly ever there and you, you go to watch. And at this stage, his matches are still good. And I still I still think Brock Lesnar is fucking amazing. But it's, they're somewhat somewhat formulaic against the right person if, if he's in the right mood. And you're against Roman Reigns, who everyone, everyone is just not interested in. And I did a little bit of research after this. So at the end of it, after they do the montage, which you said earlier, Tinky, and then you see Roman Reigns walk out all sad and upset and no one gives a fuck. I was like... They, I was like, in my mind, I was like, I don't know when they turned him heel, but it must have been pretty quickly after this because this is unsustainable. Trying to push this guy as a babyface when he's getting this reaction, he doesn't turn heel for another two and a half years. I was like, fuck me! Like they persisted with him as a babyface for another two and a half years. I know he was out for a bit, you know, when when he had his um is when he when he went uh his leukemia came back and then thankfully went into remission again but even and then in my mind i was like oh he came back and he came back as a heel he was still babyface for about another six months after that as well i don't know how it, it blows my mind how they can get this so wrong for such a long amount of time it's absolutely standing absolutely outstanding yeah it is astounding it's astounding it is astounding but it's also outstanding how bad they are it's just how can they get it so wrong how have they got it wrong for so long it blows my mind i thought this match was shit everything that was good about the wrestlemania 31 match is not really apparent in here and they are trying but it's why why should anybody why should you want a reason for roman reigns there's nothing cool about him there's nothing cool about this incarnation of roman reigns he comes up into in the video package, going back to that, he's suspended and he comes into the arena at one point in his attire. Like, the, what are you <laughs> doing, you fucking loser? Like, I was like, sorry, I'm not working today, but I'm walking around in my McDonald's uniform. Like, what twat. And it's, it's just, oh, it's just crap. Crap, crap, fuck off. Don't want to never watch this match ever again. There's a lot to sort of address there. I mean, I, I agree that it's not a good match at all. No, I say that it's it's not bad. What they do is fine, but the crowd reaction is so anti this that obviously it brings it down massively. It, what it reminded me of was the main event between Roman Reigns and Triple H at WrestleMania 32 because it's the same principle. Like the other thing that the Roman Reigns sort of message to Brock Lesnar does, in addition to it being the wrong person because Ronda, uh, Roman Reigns himself is Vince's boy is it also reminds everyone that Brock Lesnar is a part-timer, and so they don't want Brock Lesnar to win, but they don't want Roman Reigns to win. And that's exactly what happened at, at WrestleMania 32. Each had been in the authority for three years by that point. They didn't want him to win, but they didn't want Roman Reigns to win either. So they were just like, oh, God, this is just, yeah, get it up, get it away. And to your point, Tom, about it being two and a half years before they turned him heel yet, they already had been and a half years of him being mm. rejected by this point so it was already a really long time that they it was unsustainable for and i think just by this point people have just got to the point when they like they lost their it, the, they just lost interest they just gone i'm not no i'm not having it i just do not want to accept this anymore i'm just not having it it's just it's just stupid like we don't want to see this and this is always the great problem that wwe have never really for a long time got there they never really got themselves to figure this out because they were catering and still are, I suppose, to different audiences. They're catering for their weekly raw house show SmackDown attendees and probably the big pe- the people who watch it on television on Saturday mornings and the people who buy a lot of the merchandise and all that stuff. They're balancing that with their 
crowd that comes in once a year for WrestleMania or for the big show, SummerSlam, Rumble, those kinds of shows, who spend lots of money to watch those big, big events. And those people are the ones at WrestleMania and they don't, they can't stand Roman Reigns. They don't want to see him. So you keep presenting him in the main event and it just, this is just going to keep happening every time in, in this form anyway. The, the crowd completely shit all over it. They're called, they, they, they chant, this is awful. They're chanting boring through most of it. CM Punk chants as well. Yeah, there was, yeah, at one point, yeah. You're right, though, when they when they are at the point where he's taking, like, his fifth F5 and he's still not being pinned, they're just getting, the crowd are getting actively angry. And you're right, it's it's not only not realistic, but it also then makes you think, well, how is it realistic that anyone ever gets pinned by the F5 if someone can just withstand five of them? Mm-hmm. It just, it just make, it renders the move ridiculous and, and, and no longer effective. And it also it plays into everything that group, that that crowd of fans dislikes about Roman Reigns. The same things they disliked about Cena was that oh, he could just take anything. He just always kicks out. It just, you know, it doesn't matter. Anybody else would always be beaten down in this situation. But he, you know, he keeps coming back. It's it plays into that idea that he's that WWE is going to rub him down there, down your throat when you don't want him. And so even even the way that they put the match together just riled people up even more mm-hmm. it's just in every way how not to manage the situation the, the story the match and just the fact that they put it on last as well all every aspect of it was just we are not managing this situation at all well mm. yeah it was a pretty poor main event i guess from a pure reaction perspective i probably have to agree it probably is the worst WrestleMania main event yeah i'm not sure it is the worst in terms of just the match but no reaction i think you'd probably have to perceive that it is the way yeah yeah i mean there, there are worse matches yeah in terms of how they are executed but basically like to the point that you've just been to, i think the whole package and the years that have gone before this i think they're still persevering i mean god loves a trier possibly <laughs> if he exists it's it's amazing as well like you look at the wrestlemania 31 match where in fairness the same scenario was playing out people still didn't want reigns then that match is insanely good Mm and they come three years later and do this like fucking hell what the hell happened yeah that's that's the effect of those two and a half years where they've been unsustainable and this is the result i suppose all right so that's the whole show time for our overall thoughts mvp match tonight if we haven't said them already score out of 10 so it's a, this is a really tough one to score for me because I, I there's a couple of matches, especially at the beginning, that I really liked. And I didn't get to talk about the, the first match, but I thought it was really, really good as well. The triple threat match for the uh, for the Intercontinental title, although I do think the wrong person should have won. I thought Finn Banner should have won that match based upon the inclusive include everyone sort of thing. And then he loses was a bit was a bit of a shame. The other thing that, that happened in that match that I do quickly want to mention is there's a bit where it's very standard thing you see in every match uh, Seth Rollins is in the in the corner and Miz puts Seth's leg over the second rope and kicks like the underside of his knee we see it happen in almost every match For some reason Michael Cole goes oh as, <laughs> as if it's the most dangerous thing oh Miss Jones Miss Jones it probably is he's like oh look at that while Corey Graves is talking and I was like fucking that's a massive overreaction then there's a really uh, early this is awesome chant which I wouldn't say is there but I thought it was very good and that was actually my match of the night overall score so I'm going to give this a five I think 
I think that's being generous, but that's what I'm going for. That first match, um, Charlotte vs. Asuka, I thought was really good. The Triple H, Stephanie Rousey angle match was good. I enjoyed the tag match with the Bludgeon Brothers. I thought it was decent. John Cena and Taker was shit. The Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, Owens and Zayn match was ruined by the fact that Shane McMahon was in it and it could have been better. Overall, five Five, I think, is fair. Five, I think, is fair. I can't be bothered to go for the rest of the card because we've talked about it already. And, and it's five hours. I just wish it wasn't five hours long. And in terms of my MVP, I'm really, really conflicted about what to do with this because whilst I didn't enjoy this person's performance much, Corey Graves is on every match. So they do have different announced teams. So just for the fact that he's talking for five hours straight... And he's still as obnoxious at the end as he is at the beginning. I almost respect that. So I'm going to give my, my MVP to Corey Graves. Oh, man. It's interesting because you missed Tinky basically eviscerate Corey Graves when you were out doing your fatherly duties with Shinsuke. So five hours. Talking for five hours, you're going to come across as a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like us. And there's only been three. So I think a prefix this with the show in its entirety is exhausting. Five hours. This got covered lovely in the uh, WrestleMania 33 episode. It's too long. It's just, it's a long old thing. And there are a fair few bum notes. You've got Asuka's loss, Shane McMahon, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax's storyline and the main event. And also within Shane McMahon is my kind of issues with the story around that and the injury angle. But it's entertaining. It is Pretty much, except for the main event. And you know what? It's hard as well, because the main event, as we've said, like it's not bad. The crowd and the previous make it bad, but it's entertaining enough, really. It does. There is a lot of issue with this card, and I think kind of WrestleMania's in general now, in that they don't feel important. There's not a thing where you go, God, that was really important that that happened on the mania card like there isn't there aren't these things so i think i kind of have to like leave that and accept that much of what's going to be on show is going to be largely inconsequential they fail again to meet roman reigns the guy and they evidently piss off brock in the process i know new faces come out of it with anything really i know nia Jax gets the belt but there isn't anything else there's a, a new heel in nakamura but there isn't really a lot but I still kind of enjoyed it. Like, just as a sit there, watch it, I watched it in three chunks. I wasn't bored. I was pissed off by a couple of things, but I wasn't bored at all. So I'm going to give it a six, just for the entertainment factor. If I hadn't made notes, could I have told you anything that was on this card an hour and a half after I finished watching it? Probably not, but that isn't always a bad thing. I forget plenty of things. I forget where to go to the toilet sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that, that big pile of shit in the corner of your room is quite distracting, old man. It looks like that, that, that big rhinoceros dump in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, that is two weeks worth, so... Yeah, and it's not a rhinoceros, is it? Obviously not, because a rhinoceros no. is a dinosaur. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a triceratops. Yes, yeah, that's the fella. I'm giving this a six, too. I thought this was okay as a show. It was, in the main, actually, pretty good. I think the open is really good. I think the women's, the SmackDown women's title matches, is it SmackDown or the Raw? SmackDown women's title match is really good. Smackers. The mixed tag match is excellent. I think it's just a really 
I think it's a great lesson actually in how you build heat and and how you put together a match in a very formulaic is not the word just fundamental way it's just fundamentally very very sound the match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura I think is actually really good just completely let down by the hype for it in general I thought this had a lot of good about it I enjoyed the Nicholas stuff when, certainly when I watch it, I think on reflection, you're right about the stuff with Nia Jax. And certainly the main event is just, it's, it's a spectacle, that's for certain. It's just not in the right way. So I think all in all, all consider this, it's, it's decent. It's not like a, an all-time WrestleMania, but it's certainly not one of the worst ones we've seen, in my view, far worse than this. And I think given that we've got two nights of one WrestleMania where there's no crowd, I'm sure we're going to find that there's, there's others that aren't as good still to come mm. in our series. WrestleMania 34, therefore, is in 20th place of the WrestleMania. So it's almost about halfway, really, WrestleMania 34, in terms of overall where we see it of all the WrestleManias. So there you go. That's everything for WrestleMania 34. We've oh, got through another one of these five-hour monsters, which is lovely. We've only got one more of them left. I'm pretty happy with that. I did say the other day, actually, when I was telling my wife how long this show was, I was like, um, I was like, it's like five hours. It's going to be a big piece. I need to watch this over several sets, like sittings. And she went, Tinky watches all of these, doesn't he? And I was like, yep, <laughs> poor cunt. He's had to sit through all these five-hour monstrosities. Even the four-hour ones are difficult to get through, I think. Mm. They go back to two hours 52. Come on, lads, do that. Tom, thank you for Come on, me. lads, we can win this. <laughs> Escape to Mitri all over again. <laughs> no man, our man's doing the Russell Osmond, because of course he is. Yeah. Well, he is a Bristol sport legend. Let's not forget that. Yeah, but don't worry about Russell Osmond. What have you got to do, kids? You got to rate, you got to review, and you got to remember Kenneth Patera III, twice removed. You also got to remember what your name is because old man just took Tom's space in the outro there. Very strange. Oh, fuck, Tom. I'm sick of him. No, and so old man, thank you for your contributions as well. No, 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 (laughs) fuck off. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Excellent. Great review. Remember Ken Patera. I love you. This has been the Random Wrestling Review. We'll be back again in two weeks' time with WrestleMania 35. But until then, take care. <laughs>